We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 70 of the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. We've got a packed show for you guys today. We're first recapping the Gamecocks 49-9 to victory over the Chattanooga Mocs on senior night. We're also talking Carolina-Clemson. It's rivalry week. The Gamecocks head up to Clemson to take on the Tigers Saturday night at 7 o'clock in Death Valley. We'll talk about that game. Um, some of our feelings towards the Tigers, obviously it is rivalry week. It is hate week. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the things we hate the most about the Clemson Tigers and some other news and tidbits to come. Also, a very, very special interview from the Clemson side of things with Clemson Tom, one of the most well-known Clemson fans. He's been featured on College Game Day before. We've got a full interview with him. Packed show coming up for you guys. Let's get into it. I'm Chris Phillips. He's Thomas Floyd. Like I said, guys, packed show today. we got a lot to get to. Uh, first, Tom, obviously, how was your weekend? I know how Saturday was. Obviously, me and you spent Saturday together. Um, I know we had a pretty epic time, obviously, throughout the tailgating day and then into the game Saturday. But uh, overall, how would you say your weekend went? Uh, it's pretty good. You know, Gamecock victory always makes for a good weekend. Patriots didn't play on Sunday, sadly, but what a hate I had to see them tear up on somebody in the NFL, whoever we play next week. I think it's the Jets. We're probably going to unleash some oh fire onto them. But um, overall, a pretty, pretty solid weekend. Yeah, the Panthers lost again. So, there's Shocker. that. Um, there's that. Lost the Lions of all teams. But I guess the Lions did beat the Pats. So, we just, you know, just throw that out there. But you also um, have the – the, um, the Saints and the Panthers division, and they've been killing everybody. So, y'all yeah, should have fun with that. no, that's a good point. That's a good point. But yeah, no, our 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 weekend was obviously very epic. I know Saturday was a really really good time. Um, like I said, I was actually able to sit with Tom on Saturday night. We were able to take in the game together. Um, I was. It was very unfortunate we didn't have some sort of live stream or couldn't do that. But obviously, if if any of you, unless you live under a rock or you've never been to a game at Williams Bryce Stadium, the Wi Fi in there would be terrible. So I wasn't even going to attempt it. Um, but overall, yeah, solid weekend. Probably the best NFL game of the season was last night. We're obviously recording this on Tuesday night. Probably the best NFL game of the season was last night with Chiefs-Rams. Uh, but, yeah, from a college football side of things, I mean, it is rivalry week for everyone. All the best rivalries this week, um, you know, Michigan-Ohio State, Auburn-Alabama, 
um, the Egg Bowl, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and, of course, South Carolina Clemson. Uh, we're going to get into that really quickly in just a little bit here, but I want to talk, obviously, what happened on Saturday, Tom. Again, Carolina getting a big 49-9 victory. Again, I don't want to spend all day on this because I think this was a game where we sort of saw this coming. Gamecocks went out, really just did what we expected them to do. But overall, Tom, you know, your initial reactions from uh, from what we watched on Saturday night. Uh, I mean, you know, just an overall a very well-played game through all three phases of the game. And I think that South Carolina did what they were supposed to do, which is go out and just dominate a team that they're better than. And I think that the days of seeing us – I mean, obviously the Citadel debacle was insanity, but I don't think you're ever going to see that again with a team coached by Will Muschamp or even last year with Louisiana Tech. I don't think you're ever going to see something like – that again, I think when we play teams of those caliber, like the Chattanoogas and the Coastal Carolinas of the world, that we're going to beat them like we should. And I'm, something, I mean, it's great going forward. And obviously, this game was a big confidence booster for Bentley. He played well. You know, some other players, as you remove Wami with his first career interception. I think there's a lot of things you build off of going into Clemson week. But um, obviously, there's a different beast waiting on us Saturday. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I mean, definitely, if you'd have told me um, last week or before the game even that South Carolina is going to play Jake Bentley – Jay Yurick, DeCarion Joyner, Michael Skarnecchia, the whole rotation of guys get in there. Deshaun Fenwick would get in there at running back. Um, I would say South Carolina had a pretty good day overall, and I would say it was a good day at the office. I mean, 28-3 at halftime. The game always felt in hand. Again, you know, we talked about, Tom, this was a game that South Carolina really just needed to come out, establish its dominance. You know you have the bigger, faster, stronger players, and that really showed on Saturday night. I mean – Gamecocks, again, came out hot. Jake Bentley continued his really stellar play. He had an absolutely fantastic night. And I think, Tom, it's becoming more of, um, you know, it's it's just – I'll just say it's been crazy to watch his progression in the second half of the season. I mean, obviously, since that Texas, that Texas A&M game, which, you know, he threw the terrible interception, was booed at home. I mean, he has been – he has been absolutely stellar. I mean, it's been fun to watch. Obviously, again, it's a different beast this coming Saturday. They're going to need him to continue that hot play. But, I mean, he he is just – he's really flipped the script. And, I mean, he's really been the quarterback that all South Carolina fans were, for really, were really hoping for. I mean, this has really been the offense that all Gamecock fans were hoping for as well. I mean, that really just – you know, that really continued Saturday. It's just crazy what, what can happen when you have an offense capable of putting up points like that. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that if our offense can continue to play at the level that they're at, then that's going to give us a chance against Clemson. You know, you start out fast, then I think that we would have a really good chance against Clemson. But overall, I think I saw a tweet that said, I can't remember who tweeted this exactly, but said that McClendon's offense this year is better points per game-wise than almost, like, I think all of one Spurrier's offense in South Carolina. So, I mean, that's a, that's a great sign for the future, too. Yeah, I think right now, I mean – that and that's what I talked about after the Florida game. You know, obviously, Tom on last week's show is that if there was one positive I could take away, and I continue to take away from this game, obviously, is that I think South Carolina has definitely found the answer at offensive coordinator with Brian McClendon, and also with Dan Warner, obviously, um, you know, helping out. But I, I think the bigger concern for South Carolina moving forward over the next year, two, three, is going to be keeping Brian McClendon on staff because I mean, obviously, there, he's been a hot name as somebody that's a coach in waiting or a guy that could be a head coach coordinator that could be a head coach so I, I think they've definitely got the right guy on that side of the ball it's obviously just getting one must chance guys in there on the defensive side because like you said I mean they're scoring as much if not more than those great South Carolina teams under Steve Spurrier I mean what people forget about those Steve Spurrier teams they won with defense I mean there, there's no question they yeah. won the big games at least with dominating suffocating pass rushes and great defense great secondary play we all know the names we could all rattle them off but 
it's just been really fun to watch this offense evolve. I tell you, just just again, don't want to spend too too much time on this game because I think this game just sort of is what it is. I mean, you got a forty point win against a non conference opponent. You did what you're supposed to do, but just some of the highlights in the game. Obviously, there there were a ton. The one play, Tom, that sticks out to me over and over again that I had to watch three or four different times, and I'm sure you remember when this happened in the stadium, because obviously, like I said, I was sitting with you, is the play to Shy Smith where he's kind of in the flat, if you will, takes the ball, obviously goes to the sidelines, got like three guys on him, breaks out of it somehow, runs for a touchdown. I remember I put my head down. I, I thought I was like, okay, play's over. Put my head down. I look up. Yeah. He's running towards the end zone. I mean, just a crazy – Crazy sequence of events. I mean, there were some huge highlights on Saturday, though. So, I mean, it, it wasn't – you know, that, that that's just one of many, obviously. No, I mean, I think I think that play was going on. I literally saw him go to the sidelines. I was like, oh, he's probably going to go. So, I went to, like, look at my phone, and I hear people going crazy, and I'm yeah. like, wait, what's going on? So, I look up, and he's trying towards the end zone. But, yeah, obviously, like you said, there were a lot of highlight plays, a lot of things, a lot of positives you could take from the Chattanooga game. Yeah, no, undoubtedly. And, again, I, like I mentioned before, Jake Bentley's hot play was another. Um, Israel McQuamu getting his first interception. I mean, you know, a guy that I think is going to play a lot of snaps for South Carolina down the road. He's already had to play a bunch of snaps because of the lack of depth. But, I mean, a guy that's going to play a bunch of snaps. And, you know, it was a lot of fun to talk about him in the preseason, being a six-foot-four defensive back. And, um, you know, obviously great to see the young some of the young guys. I mean, I, I remember pointing him out to you, Tom, Ernest Jones. Um, being out there at linebacker, Jason Sin at safety. I, I I remember being specifically saying, "Oh my God, there's Jason Sin at safety." Um, I don't know who he was. Like when everyone, yeah. So you know, you know, it's funny. Just to that note, the only reason I knew because you you had to be pretty impressed with me when I said that because you're like, who in the world is yeah. Jason Sin? I mean, and so the I'll, I'll be honest with you, the only reason I knew who he was is because. I think, obviously, with the Spurs Up Show Instagram account, like, we follow players, of course, you know, whatever, players, coaches, whoever. And I followed him a long time ago, and I feel like I always see his posts. And I knew he was number 40. Because, I don't know, 40 is just a number that sticks out to me. I wore, I wore 40 for a year in college playing baseball, and then I loved Eric Norwood, obviously. And um, Pat, what was Pat DeMarco? Was he 40 or 41? 42. 42, that's right, that's right, okay. No, anyway, so 40 just sticks out, though. And, I mean, let's just be honest, you know, he's, like, the only white guy on defense. So, that sort of helped, too, but it was just funny. That was the only reason I knew him because I followed him on Instagram and I'd seen him before, and I was like, that name for some reason, Jason Sin, like, it sounds like a movie star. It sounds like a movie name. So, I don't know. I just That's just how I knew who he was. I mean, <laughs> to be completely honest with you, I didn't know otherwise. Um but, I mean, yeah, anyways, a huge win. I mean, again, we're not going to get too deep in the weeds with it. South Carolina getting a huge win on Saturday. Let's just go ahead and move into our biggest takeaways, Tom. What was your biggest takeaway from the game overall? Uh, I, I'm going to go with Deshaun Fenwick. was going to be a pretty good back when his career's over at South Carolina. I saw a lot of positives from him. He runs really hard. He makes the right cuts. I think that coming into the season, him basically almost being guaranteed the, the fifth spot on the depth, depth chart and needing a year in college to get bigger and gain a little more weight. But he's got really good size. I think that, you know, he gets more strength to him. I think he's going to end up being a really good back. And like I said, him being fifth on the depth chart behind Rico and Tyson and AJ and Mon. I mean, that's four juniors and seniors. It's pretty hard just to overcome that in a, in a year year I'm, but I think there's a lot to build off of what he went, did against the Chattanooga game and if you know maybe he'll get some snaps against Clemson and play well yeah they said he was the first so he's the first running back since 1999 when Deuce Staley did against NC State to go for over 100 yards in his debut uh, as a true freshman so you know that's you know <clears throat> fairly elite company there 
Um, and yeah, I thought Deshaun Finn would look great. I mean, I, I don't know if it was more so how good he looked or maybe, you know, I, and I hate to say this about these other guys, but we talked about it, Tom. I mean, eventually you just see the same guys over and over and over again. You're just, you're like, I just want to see somebody new. What can somebody else do? And again, yeah. it's not that Rico and Tyson, obviously AJ had a fantastic game on Saturday. I don't want to, don't want to forget about that too, but, uh, you know, it's not that those guys aren't all really capable, but we we just haven't had that number one back in so long. We just – not a true number one. And you see a guy like Deshaun Timmick, I mean, again, over 100 in his first game. Again, it's, again, it's against Chattanooga, but, I mean, he looked damn good. I mean, he looked yeah. really good for a true freshman. I mean, he's still going to get the red shirt, obviously. That's, so, I mean, that that to me – for a guy like Fenwick, that's like best case scenario. I mean, you get to play in that game. You should get to play against Akron. So you're going to get at least two games of experience. If you can look really, really good in both, you have to think Deshaun Fenwick positions himself pretty well going into spring practice to at least push for a lot of playing time. Again, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, you have to think all those guys are coming back, which is crazy because, man, it just that, – that tandem or that group of, you know, Jake Bentley, Brian Edwards – Tyson Williams, Debo, or excuse me, Tyson Williams, AJ Turner, Rico Dowdle. I mean, it feels like they've been at Carolina forever. I mean, yeah. at this point. So, but you have to think. I mean, Deshaun Fenwick, if he keeps it up, he, if he can continue to do that, and obviously he's just going to put on weight and he's going to get bigger and stronger and faster. I mean, you know, if he can build on that. He could be a pretty solid back, like you said. So, um, my biggest takeaway from Saturday, Tom, just simply, Jake Bentley is officially hot. You know, we were kind of trying to figure out. You know, if this was just kind of a flash in the pan, if you will, could Jake Bentley keep it up? He's officially on a hot streak. He's officially feeling it. He is South Carolina's hottest player right now. Um, overall, I've got the statistics here. I think he believe he went, yeah, 25 of 29, 339 yards, four touchdowns, and no interceptions. I mean, that's, you know, that's everything you could have hoped for from what he could have done for you on Saturdays. I think as a Gamecock fan, you've got to be very, very excited, obviously, again, all the South Carolina fans that I've heard talking and including myself, I want to, you know, everyone wants to see him do it this Saturday against Clemson. And, you know, obviously not, he's probably not going to throw for 340 yards, but can he go out there and just have a solid game against some elite competition? But I mean, overall, I mean, if this is, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Tom, but if there was ever a time for Jake Bentley to go out there and ball against an elite opponent, I mean, this would be it the way this dude's playing. I mean, he's playing the best football of his career. No, I I definitely think you're right there. I think that if, for him to have finally have that game where he goes out and against a top five or ten team like he's been struggling in his career so far and just go out and ball out, I think it's this game. Because I think everyone, every South Carolina fan would trade all of those bad performances he had against other teams for a victory over Clemson this weekend. Or at least a oh, very yeah. soft performance where we go and play in, and are competitive into the fourth quarter. Yeah, just give them a scare. I mean, you know, the thing I want to see, you know, I, we're going to move into the Clemson game because I keep just going into the Clemson game. All right, let's give our game balls out and then we'll jump right into Clemson week. Uh, Tom, my game ball is on offense. I'm giving it to A.J. Turner. Again, he had three touchdowns, was all over the field. Um, I think he's almost a forgotten man in that backfield, and I think he's a guy that's very, very capable and um, can do really good things for South Carolina like he showed on Saturday night. And then on defense, defensive back Israel Mokwamu, you know, first ever interception for the youngster. You know, like I said, he's going to be a guy that is he's already playing much more than Coach Muschamp probably wants to play him or that we all expected, but – is a guy with a lot of talent that's you know going to have a really really good career at South Carolina and be one of those um, one of those guys in the defensive backfield that I think helps helps get South Carolina back to the DBU title that they kind of held over the 2010 2013 era. So um, Tom, your game balls, you're giving them to. 
Uh, offense, I love to hate on this guy, but when he plays well, I'm going to recognize him. It's quarterback Jake Bentley. He was, 20, like you said before, 24-29 for 339 yards and four touchdowns. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter or not, but they had to peak the pro football focus grades for the quarterbacks in SEC, and he wasn't oh, yeah. even, like, top five. And I was like, how? For, yeah, he's missing a four incompletion <laughs> yeah. five and ninety and 340 yards and four touchdowns, but he doesn't grade out better than an 80. How does that work? I don't I have no idea. Yeah, I don't understand it either. And defensively, like you went with the young buck in the back in the on the defense. I'm going with the young buck on defense. I'm going with linebacker Ernest Jones. He was a really fun kid to watch play Saturday. It seems like he's a very big and athletic guy. He's gonna be can play sideline to sideline. Finally a guy it seems like we have is a combination of size and speed in the, in the linebacker core for us, other than just TJ Brunson. But out of five tackles and force fumble, I think going for next year he's gonna be one of our better players it's gonna be very fun to watch him play yeah no I was impressed with Ernest as well and again it's just a guy I was glad to see get out there yeah um I lost my train of thought there no but yeah again Ernest played really really well and um yeah like you said again Jake Bentley played absolutely fantastic but moving into this week it is rivalry week Tom it is Clemson week I I can't say the word rivalry right now by the way so I do apologize I'm really maybe I need to pick a different word it's just Clemson week. That team from the upstate, that orange team, um, I'm going to try it one more time. It is rivalry week. There we go. There go. 7 o'clock kick ESPN up in Clemson, South Carolina in the fake Death Valley, uh, or as it should be called, Memorial Stadium. Um, Clemson right now sitting as a 27-point favorite. Over-under set at 58.5. The series history, we all know. Clemson leads 69-42-4. to They've won the last four games. Um, and as we all know, the last two have been – for lack of a better term, just not competitive. Obviously, the last yeah. time South Carolina was in Clemson, 56-7 to was the final, um, and it just wasn't pretty. So, you know, Clemson comes in this game 11-0, second-ranked team in the country. The college football playoff poll was actually just released. They are still number two in the country. Obviously, the Tigers with aspirations of winning a national championship. Um, a second national championship, I think, will be three or four years for them in that time span. Um, you know, Tom, this game – this this game's really interesting to me. I, I'm I, I'm excited for this game. I'm nervous for this game. I'm scared for this game. Uh, for, there's a lot of mixed emotions. Let's we get let's just get back to Jake Bentley because it's gonna as every other game goes for South Carolina and this team right now. I heard someone talking. This team right now, fair or unfair? I actually believe it was Perry York. Um, this team right now just begins and ends with number 19. Whether that is a fair unfair thing, this team just goes as he goes. Um, and again, I think one of the biggest things for Jake Bentley's progression, because I, it's interesting right now at this point in the season, you're almost starting to look ahead to 2019 and what maybe 2019 could be if you can finish off strong. You know, right now, realistically, you're looking at seven and five regular season. If you can win a bowl game, be eight and five. And just what next season could bring with all these returnees you have. Um, I, I just think for Jake Bentley, Tom, it is so important to, like we said, he's Played, played, he's played really, really well since that Texas A&M interception, since the first half of A&M when he got booed on his home turf. He, since that second half, he has played extremely well. Um, even when they, you know, in the loss to Florida, I mean, he was fantastic. It wasn't on him. Um, continues that against Chattanooga. But to me, this game on Saturday, again, is he going to go out there and throw for 340 yards? No. It's just, is he going to throw for four touchdowns? No. I would love that. I hope I'm wrong, but pro- let's say probably not. He's not going to do that. Uh, against this defense, number one scoring defense in the country, I think. But for me, to keep that momentum going, because I think Jake Bentley has a chance to do something that 
would just change the entire outlook of going into 2019. If he can play a solid game on Saturday, I'm not talking about go out there again, throw for 300. Just play a solid game, not play, you know, I think people would say would, I don't think it'd be a stretch to say in the last two games against Clemson, he has looked intimidated. He's looked scared. He's looked timid. Let's just face it what it is. I understand they're a really good defense too. So maybe some of you could say you can't blame him, but I think it would just be to carry on that momentum because I think he's going to be able to have a really good game against Akron, Tom. I think we can both agree he should be able to go out there and, you know, shred that Akron defense. Let's just be honest. And then you play a team in a bowl game that will be a solid opponent, but it's not going to be some world beater. I mean, I've seen some of the projections. They're throwing around different names. Again, a team where I think Jake Bentley could continue to have a lot of success. But this game, to me, is the one that stands in the way is that can Jake Bentley finally rise to the occasion, go on the road at night in a hostile environment? And, again, he, I'm not at, nobody's asking, I think, to throw for 350 yards, but we really need to see something out of Jake Bentley Saturday night that changes the narrative or at least gives us hope that the narrative can be changed going into next season that he can win the big one. Now, I, I mean, something you're going to hear in the interview with, Close to Tom's experience, he talks about Florida this year when he went and watched South Carolina Florida play because I think it's relatively close to where he lives at now. But anyway, I, I mean, there's been the narrative so far through Billings' career that he has sort of the Aaron Murray syndrome and he can't win big games. And, I mean, the thing is to me with the big game thing is that South Carolina's team talent-wise is just not at the level that teams we play like Clemson and Georgia. They're just not at that talent level. So when you have a talent disparity, the – one position you look at to make up the difference is the quarterback position. And Jake Billing hasn't done that. No matter how you look at it, he just hasn't been the guy that's come out and played in the big game through four quarters. I mean, Florida, I think, was probably his best one. Ole Miss, I don't know if you would consider a big game or not. But, both of the, I mean, Florida, he I would say three and a half quarters are really good play. And Ole Miss, he probably played – real in Tennessee, he's played really well the entire those entire of those games. And like you said, since the second half of A&M, I think he's played his best football fit the best his career in football but none of it's going to matter if he comes out against Clemson and throws a pick six on the first drive or the second drive whatever it was like last like year. you saw last season yeah yeah I mean it's <laughs> all going to be thrown thrown into the wind basically but I think this year especially I think there's a there's a talent difference between South Carolina's football team and Clemson's football team I don't think anybody would deny that on either side definitely not on the Clemson side but I don't think anybody on the South Carolina side of this can deny that there's a talent gap when you have a talent gap elite quarterback play is what makes the difference in that talent gap it's what makes the Patriots a better team it's what makes the Green Bay Packers a better team I mean any team when you look at them that's why I mean mean, look at the Panthers with Cam Newton when you have a game changer at that position makes up for a lot of deficiencies yeah and so can Jake Bentley make up for those deficiencies on South Carolina's team and you know, I don't even I don't think you could ask him to just go out there and pull out a win by himself. I don't think that's possible against a team like Clemson. But I mean close, can he keep us within a touchdown going in the fourth quarter? If he does something like that, I think every South Carolina fan will be I would say progress he's made through three years. So I think next year that sets you up for having the chance of going and upsetting Clemson at home. Yeah, and that that kind of leads me into the next thing I want to talk to you about. You know, I mean, Tom, from your perspective, what do you need to see on Saturday? Because, excuse me, I I don't think anyone is picking South Carolina to win. Rightfully so. I mean, Clemson's a 27-point favorite. No one is picking South Carolina to win. Most South Carolina fans, again, I've seen on social media, you know, it'll be 47 to 10. If we hold them under 50, that's a good score. You know, if we, you know, this game's a wash. You know, we don't have the same talent. But, and then I, I, th- I think that, you know, it was our friend, friend of the show, Brad Crawford, put out his score prediction. I think he said 45 to 10. And my sentiment simply was, 
Because the last thing I want to do is, God forbid, I know by Saturday I'm going to somehow talk myself. I'm going to somehow talk myself into the fact that, like you just said, we could be within a touchdown going to the fourth quarter. Somehow, some way, even within 10 points. But even realistically, when you realistically look at it, to me, I just don't see how you can realistically say that the South Carolina program is headed in the right direction if they go out there and just get their their asses stomped. I just I understand the talent gap is really, really wide, and I, I am scared to death for the depth on the defensive backfield and what is going to happen to that secondary with you know Trevor Lawrence throwing to that array that 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 plethora of weapons he has, and then tra, 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 Etn in the backfield. I mean, what he can do to you as well, but. At some point, because, you know, Tom, we've talked about it before. You know, this is college football. Every single week there's a team that plays above its head or plays better than expected where they're playing a team much better than them and they keep the game close. They keep it competitive. They give them a better game they're expecting. They make the other team uncomfortable, if you will. I mean, for example, last week, Clemson is a much, much more talented team than Ohio State. But you can't tell me that Maryland is a talented team as Ohio State, where they really should have beaten them. I mean, again, that happens every week. It, doesn't it have to eventually stop? I mean, it, it, you cannot just say going out there and say, well, if we lose by three touchdowns, that's a good game. I mean, it just – I don't – that, that's the thing. I don't know how you can quantify it by a score margin, but I just – I've got to see some sort of progress on Saturday because just saying that – well, this game's a wash. We'll lose forty-two to ten. We'll move along our merry way, and we'll go. We'll go beat Akron by three touchdowns. I, I just there has to be. What, I, let me ask. What What are you looking for? Because to me, even if you lose by three or four touchdowns, like I don't know what it is that has to happen, but I have got to see some sort of progress because you just can't keep year in year out getting your asses handed to you by Clemson. No, I, I mean, I think I'm looking for competitiveness and effort through four quarters. And I think if we do both of those things, the game will be relatively close going into the fourth. And, I, I mean, other than that, I don't know what else you can ask of a team that is just straight up not as talented as other teams. And, it's, and I mean, you say, you know, you talk about how Maryland's not as talented as Ohio State and they keep it closer. And there are other teams week in and week out that aren't talented is when they play like a Clemson or like Syracuse, when Syracuse and Clemson played, there's some kind of mental thing there to where Syracuse is always close to Clemson and no one understands it. But I mean, I don't, I don't know, maybe overcome the mental, like kind of how Dabo overcame the mental fatigue with losing to Spurrier every year. I don't know what it's going to take, but I think you have to over at some point overcome the mental, the, the mental, the mental space that Dabo occurs in, I mean, that Dabo has in South Carolina players' heads, and I don't know yeah. if that's going to be something that disappears whenever Jake Milley and that class of kids leave because they've been through it the most. But I don't know where I don't know where it starts at, but I think at some point you just have to – there has to be a better level of effort and competitiveness out of us for me to say, okay, we're going in the right direction. Yeah, and, and I, I don't want – you know, the last thing I want is for people to think that if South Carolina goes out there and loses by three, four touchdowns, and I think that the program is headed in the wrong direction and Will Muschamp's not the right the right fit for the job or he's not the right guy. I mean, I think there's so much more to it than that. And, again, Clemson's got a more talented football team top to bottom than South Carolina without a doubt. But, again, there just has to be some sort of – something's got to change. I don't know if you've ever seen the, the, the hype video, Tom, where – I think it's Deuce Staley is actually in the locker room. I think it was a hype video for, like, maybe 2016, maybe 2017. I'm not really sure. But I remember specifically the quote. He's he's basically talking about, like, looking your brother in the eye. Remember that signing day, why you came here? And he's like, 
you got to look each other in the eye and say, I'm not getting my ass whooped this year. I'm, I'm just not getting my ass whooped this year. That's the one thing I remember from that inspirational video. And on Saturday night, somebody in that locker room has just got to step up and say, I don't care how much more talented than Clemson is than us. I don't care how many All-Americans they have. I don't care how many – they're 11-0, number two. I don't care. We're not getting our asses whooped tonight. We're at least, if nothing else, we're going to play them as hard as we can. We're going to make it an uncomfortable game. And at the end of the game, they're going, they might beat us, but they're not going to want to go another down with us. They're not going to want to go another snap with us. I mean, if nothing else, that, that, that's what has to happen on Saturday night. I, I think if you're yeah, – go ahead, go ahead, sorry. I mean, I'm, I definitely agree with you. I think that if there's that level of just – quit like last year whenever we throw the pick six and everybody's just like oh well this is just over at this point I think that I mean if you have a mistake you have to show that you can get over that and you're and you're just you're a better player than that not they have to show it this year to me for me to have any confidence going in towards next year that we can play with when you have someone like Alabama on your schedule early in the year that we can play with yeah no absolutely I mean again I don't want people to think that I'm saying that if South Carolina that the progress of the program is somehow dependent on the score of this game. That's not what I'm trying to say. But in the sense of is South Carolina building the right direction to not just beat, you know, obviously South Carolina needs to beat Kentucky and Texas A&M. I mean, that's – you've got two five-game losing streaks right there. You're on the verge of having another one in this series. But is South Carolina trending the right direction to be a true competitor? That that to me – and, and I, I think it is – we're going to learn a lot about a lot, the, a lot of the youngsters too. I mean, because I, I, I agree with you, Tom, in the sense that, you know, I think Jake Bentley's definitely – we're going to learn a lot about Jake Bentley, how much he's grown up. But I think just bringing in new players, a new crop of guys that, you know, they're not – they may not take that type of ass whipping that South Carolina got in 2016 or 2017. They're, they're just not going to put up with that. But, again, to me, it, it just it's going to take somebody that's going to step up in that locker room and be the guy. And – you know, one guy I like to listen to a lot of games, a friend of our show, but Perry Orth. He, go, he, he has his weekly guest appearances on 107.5 The Game, and I listened to him today, actually. And he, he was just talking about this game and just saying that, you know, South Carolina needs, in this game, they need to, with every single hit, with every single play, absolutely make Clemson feel it, in a sense. Like, pop Clemson in the mouth. I mean, he was talking about the 2015 game that he played in, and that – you know, with that game, Clemson was more talented, but South Carolina, with every single hit, you felt like every single hit, South Carolina was punishing Clemson. I mean, you were – they were making them feel it. They were popping them in the mouth every single play. And that's kind of what I was talking about earlier is just bringing the intensity, playing with an edge, and just no matter what. I mean, again, you have nothing to lose in this game. Clemson has all of it to lose. They have everything to lose. It would be a travesty for that program to lose this game. I mean, that, that – well, I think what – let me, I'm just going to say something real quick. I think what pisses most South Carolina fans off is that the team that was so bad that 2015 season in three and nine that beat one of probably the best Clemson team of all time, or one of at least, if not, I would say top three Clemson team of all time. That Clemson team only beat our team in hit worst team in history by five points. And for us to get blown out the next year, when I would say we're a better team, 56 to seven, like we did, or like or not or not last year, two years ago, and then last year get beat at home, so just embarrassing. It was just something that I think it just burned in all South Carolina fans' memory. Was just like, how do we lose these guys so embarrassing like this? But we were competitive with them when our when our worst team of all time was playing against them. It just doesn't make sense. And you know what? I you know what I really think the answer to that question is, uh, and I'd be interested to hear Perry Orr's take. I tried to get him on the show tonight, just to let everybody know, but uh, kind of waited last minute. But 
Um, what I think, I think a lot of that has to do with that there were still some guys on that team from the 2013 team, even the 2014 team, guys that that team had a different kind of swagger. That team had won before. Some of, like a lot of those guys on that team. Yeah, Brandon Wallace was still on that team. I mean, there were Hero guys. Cooper on that team. was on that team. I, yeah. I mean, Debo Samuel's a true freshman, but I mean, there were guys on that team. Elliot Fry. Sky Moore was on that team. He was a freshman in 2013. Yeah. There were guys on that team that had won and had beaten Clemson. They were not intimidated. And I just think when South Carolina went up there in 2016, and I, I hate to even bring it up because Clemson had a field day with it with the whole never again thing. But I think that's what the whole message was, is that never again will they be intimidated. Um, yeah. And obviously, again, last year it did not pan out. But I just think that what if you wanted to pull anything from what happened in 2015, it's that that South Carolina team simply just said – we are not going to be intimidating. We're just going to go out there and ball and see what happens. And, I mean, I would love to see a South Carolina team go out there and do that on Saturday night. Um, yeah, go ahead. I'm definitely. I, I was just going to agree with what you said. I think yeah. I definitely feel the same way. Yeah, I mean, just let it, uh, let it all hang out. Let's just see what happens. Let's go play ball and see what happens. Um, I'll tell you this, Tom. One of the biggest things for me that I think South Carolina can have success with, um, you know, and obviously on defense, they've got a ton of issues. There's a ton of issues right now in the secondary. There's a ton of depth issues. Um, I just think one of the biggest keys of this game, and I'm, I'm kind of bleeding into my key matchups to watch here, and I'll go ahead and bleed into it, my key matchup to watch. But the, one of the biggest things for me is that South Carolina has got to get in the face of Trevor Lawrence. They have got to find a way to make him uncomfortable because, you know, you have to figure Clemson's going to be able to run the ball. So, you know, they're going to be able to run the ball. I mean, you look at what Florida did, and that – that scares you even more. That scares me more than anything to think what Florida did, and then the, the rushing attack Clemson has with Tra- um, what is it, Travis Etienne? I keep getting the name wrong. Yeah, Travis Etienne. Okay, Travis. I, I'm just like, why am I trying to say Trevor? It's Tra- Trevor Travis. Whatever with Etienne, with Travis Etienne. You know the type of running game they have. Um, to me, you just cannot let Trevor Lawrence sit back there and pick you apart with the weapons they have on the outside. South Carolina is going to have to find a way to get in his face, even if they've got to get creative and bring different types of pressures, but I just don't see a scenario in which you're going to be able to just sit back and let him work and rely on that secondary to cover their outside weapons. Cause South Carolina right now just simply does not have the depth or the experience. No, I definitely agree that our defensive line is going to be one of the defense line and offensive line for this game for South Carolina is going to be a make or break. I think that if you can get in Trevor Lawrence's face and make him uncomfortable and let our DBs play press man and, because you're going to have to get in the face T. Higgins and Justin Ross and all those guys. Clemson has a receiver. I mean, they're all elite players. Probably going to – I mean, Clemson is, like some people say, is a very, has a very good – is known for putting out very good receivers. And I think you ha- you just have to put pressure on him. And you have to hopefully limit ETN. I don't think there's really a way to just stop him flat out unless you have some – unless you're basically Alabama or Ohio State and your defense line is just that good. But I think you have to get in the, in the face of Trevor Lawrence and make that a big game changer for you. Yeah, 110%. I mean, make them do something they're not accustomed to, which is turning the football over. I mean, if there's ever a game where South Carolina's going to have a big turnover night, it needs to be this one, 100%. Um, Before we get into key matches, I want to move to the offensive side because, Tom, I think this is a game where – and I want to get your take. I think South Carolina can score some points. I think if Jake Mentley can stay hot and continue the way he's been playing, obviously that is a big if until he proves it. But – they're – I mean, they've got weapons on the outside. There, there's no doubt about that. There, there are weapons out there. And I think South Carolina – I think that's where South Carolina can make Clemson most uncomfortable is that they can get even one or two stops in that first half and South Carolina can stay hot on offense and 
um, you know, get those things, get that rolling. I, I mean, I think Clemson could look up. And, again, I'm not predicting South Carolina to win. We're going to get into predictions. But I think South Carolina can make Clemson uncomfortable just due to their outside, the, the weapons they have on the perimeter. And if Jake Bentley can stay hot, I mean, who knows? I mean, I think you're, you're going in the right direction there. Clemson's weakest part of their defense, I would say, is their secondary and their linebackers. And that's not to say even that their linebackers and secondary are bad. It's just that South Carolina has a lot of matchups there they probably can win. And if Jake Bentley can just put the ball in the right spot and let Debo Samuel and let Brian Edwards and let Sha Smith go and make plays or even A.J. Turner out the backfield. And, you know, I love the way they used him against Chattanooga and just getting him out the backfield. And I think that play, the first touchdown he had in the back of the end zone was probably one of the most beautiful, you know, wheel routes from this yeah. direction I've ever seen in my life. But I just think there are a lot of matchups South Carolina has when it comes to man-to-man, when it comes to man-to-man that they should be able to take advantage of Saturday. Yeah, no, I – 110% agree. I mean, again, I, I just – I think for South Carolina, that's where you have to try to attack, especially especially since – because we know Clemson's got that that really, really good front four, but South Carolina has been yeah. really good in pass protection. So, yeah, that's I mean, going to be our, the – go ahead. I, I was just saying, well, our offensive line has played really well this year, and I think that one of the big matchups is going to be Dylan Wanham. This isn't even my key matchup. But it's probably going to be Dylan Wanham versus Austin Bryant. You have a, a true freshman yeah. right tackle against one of the – top 40 players going into the draft this year. I think that Dylan Wanham could have a big game for us this for against Clemson. I mean, that goes a long way in confidence for next year and the rest of his career at South Carolina. Yeah, no, I, I'm 110%, 110% agree with you. I mean, I, again, I just think that's going to be the best area of opportunity for South Carolina is trying to get the passing game going. And, I, you know, before we – again, I keep delaying it. Before we move to key matchups, though, Tom, again, I'm just really excited about this game and excited to watch from the sense that I really feel like South Carolina has nothing to lose. I mean, if you go out there and you get blown out, everybody was expecting the spread is 27. I mean, the only thing that can happen to me are are good things in the sense that from – at least from like a national perspective, because nationally everyone's expecting Clemson to just roll. I mean, from yeah. us, from our perspective, we're going to come on the podcast next week if South Carolina loses 50 nothing and say, you know, is the program still trending in the right direction? Will South Carolina ever be able to hang with their rival again? I mean, it's going to feel like South Carolina's never going to beat Clemson again, similar to how Clemson felt after South Carolina had won five in a row. But to me, it's I'm just interest, interested to see how this team reacts. Because I, I think we've seen this team grow over this last – the back half of the season. And, I mean, how is this team going to react again to this environment? They didn't do it well in 2016, but this is a much different team, a much better team. Debo Samuel is finally playing in this rivalry again. Um, you got a junior. The first Jake. one since his freshman year when he had, like, I can't remember. I, well, no, no, he played, he played in 16. He did play in 16 because he threw a touchdown pass to Brian Edwards on a trick play. Uh, yeah. And it was way – the game was, like, 49 nothing at that point. But um, – you know, he has a junior Jake Bentley now, which he did not have before, and he has a really good offensive line, too. I'm just really excited, again, from the sense that I just feel like there really is nothing to lose. I mean, let's just – I have a I, think, I have a feeling that South Carolina is going to come out and play that way, too. I think that most South Carolina fans almost have no expectations for this game. So, I think right. that – That's the best way to just, put it. You just can't set yourself up for disappointment if there's nothing to be disappointed about. I mean, obviously, you don't want to win and get slacked 56-7 to seven like two years ago, mm-hmm. but – I mean, if they come in and only lose by two touchdowns, I mean, I think that's a win in most South Carolina fans' eyes. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. I mean, that's exactly kind of where I'm coming from as well. I mean, just there really are no expectations. And, I mean, I I think you have to look at it and say, let's just go see what happens. The only thing that can happen is we go up. So, um, let's move into the key matchups, Tom. I'll go ahead and start with mine. 
Uh, my key matchup is going to be defensive end DJ Wanham against the quarterback Trevor Lawrence. I talked about this earlier. I just think it's going to be huge for this South kind of defense to help out the second year to get pressure on Trevor Lawrence somehow. I don't know if they're going to have to be creative or what they're going to have to do to get pressure, but I think you've just got to find a way to make him uncomfortable because there's, you know, there are, they're going to be able to run the football with ETN. You cannot allow Trevor Lawrence to sit back there and pick you apart. And, you know, I don't want to get into this whole argument about Clemson's schedule and they've played nobody, but let's be honest, they've played a fairly soft schedule. And uh, I think South Carolina on defense really just need to look at whatever Texas A&M did and even Syracuse. Heck, I know he's gotten a lot better since then, but I think this will be the best defense. It, and the craziest part is South Carolina's defense is not elite, but this is probably going to be the best defensive front that he has faced in a while. I mean, they just – just from the lack of, you know, the, the lack of top-tier competition they play, and let's be completely honest. So, I think D.J. Wanham could be a guy that could be a uh, difference maker, could be a game changer. And uh, so, I've got D.J. Wanham against Trevor Lawrence. Tom, what's your key matchup? Um, I'm going to go offensive lineman Zach Bailey versus defensive lineman Christian Wilkins. Christian Wilkins is obviously one of the best defensive linemen in the country. I think that he'll end up being a top 10, top 15 draft pick, and Zach Bailey can really show NFL scouts what he's made of if he has a really good game against Christian Wilkins. And there's obviously uh, Dexter Lawrence on the other, the other defense tackle that's mainly going to be rotating for Clemson. But um, I think if Zach Bailey can have a good game and open up some holes along with the rest of the offensive line, I think that you know you have to have a solid running game against Clemson to <laughs> – all away from their offense, basically, and I think that's going to be a big key for us. Yeah, I've talked about those interior three guys a lot this season, but Zach Bailey, uh, Sidarius Hutchinson, and Donnell Stanley, they need to have big games Saturday night, no question asked. Yeah. Um, biggest key to the game, Tom, what's your biggest key going to be? Uh, my biggest key is just going to be to keep it close going into the fourth quarter. Clemson really hasn't played going into the fourth quarter this year, and, and the only two games they have were against Syracuse and against Texas A&M, games that Trevor Lawrence was not a part of. And I think that – I mean, obviously he's a great quarterback, a great talent, and there's no reason to say he wouldn't play well going into those games, but just the lack of not actually being there and doing it on a big stage like Clemson versus South Carolina and maybe, maybe – being ahead of Clemson going in the fourth quarter and making him come back and win that game, obviously it would do a lot for his legacy if he somehow did that, and that would suck for us. But I think that's – if you put some pressure on him going in the fourth quarter and Clemson's team as well, that if you do that and you give yourself a chance, I think most South Carolina fans would be happy. And if you keep it close going in the fourth quarter, I mean, anything's possible. Football is a crazy game. Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of Clemson players and fans would be shitting themselves if South Carolina was yeah. in a touchdown going to the fourth quarter. I just oh, – yeah. I just – I think a lot of the Clemson people, they are expecting a blowout. They they, they they will not be comfortable with – they don't want just a win. Let's put it that way. They don't want just a win on Saturday. Um, so, no, I agree. I think the lo- I think the longer you can hang around, the, the better chance it's going to give you to win. There's no questions. I mean, that's normally when a team that's not quite as good as another team, normally what happens is the team that's better lets them hang around and hang around and hang around. Eventually – it's late in the ball game, and that team, hey, believes, hey, we can win this thing. So, I, I, I definitely think that's something that South Carolina needs to try to do on Saturday night for sure. Um, my biggest key to the game, Tom, is simply just play with an edge. You know, just just play with an edge. Go out there again, play loose, play and go have some fun. I mean, but but go play with an edge. Don't be intimidated. Like we talked about that 2015 team. The reason that we think those guys hung with that Clemson team is they were not intimidated. They were ready to play and. Just kind of let it all hang out there and, you know, just just really took it to them. And I mean, and again, I go back to the comments Perry Orth made today as well. I think you need to go out there and 
really just pop Clemson in the mouth and let them know that this shit, this shit's ending. We're, even if you beat us, we're not getting our asses whipped again. It's just it's not happening. So um, I think go out there, play with an edge, be aggressive. You know, you have nothing to lose and just play that way. And I think that's going to be the best case scenario because I think if you try to go out there and, you know, last year, for example, South Carolina had fourth and one. I think the 50-yard line decided to punt. It's just what do you have to lose? Be aggressive. Set the tone of the game early and, you know, let Clemson know they're going to be a knock. They're going to be in a knockout dragout fight all night. It's not going to be some game where South Carolina is going to roll over. So, um all right. I mean, let's move into predictions, man. What do you got for the game Saturday night? Uh, I mean, obviously, I think that Clemson's a very good ball team, and they're very talented. There's a talent gap there, but I'm I'm just going to go out on a limb and j- say Jake Bentley has one of those games finally where he just shows up and answers the bell. I I, I hope and pray this happens. Will it happen? I don't know. I'm not saying – okay, I want to just really say this. South Carolina's most likely not going to win, and I'm not predicting they're going to win. But – I'm going to go with a score of Clemson 38, South Carolina 28. I know that's an extremely close score, and South Carolina is obviously putting 28 points on one of the best defenses in college football. But Brian McClendon's a superstar in the making. I think that maybe he'll have one of those games where he can just turn it up and maybe make Britt Venables not look like he's the best defense coordinator in the nation for 60 minutes. But a lot's going to have to go right for that score to be that way. But South Carolina, I mean, you know what they say, Chris. Uh, Clemson's, what, a 26-point favorite? 27, yeah. A 27-point favorite. Good teams win, great teams cover. South Carolina covers in this ballgame. <laughs> great teams cover. And take the over. Bet the over. Yeah, well, I, that, that, so that was actually my best bet, which is hilarious. I did that right before we came on. But, yeah, that was my best bet. Over 58-and-a-half stealing, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I mean, at 38-28, I know a lot of South Carolina fans would be ecstatic with that. For me overall, you know, like I said, I have tons of emotions in this game. Um, I'm excited to see what happens. I'm nervous. I'm scared. I'm – hell, I'm terrified. Um, but I think this one – I think this one will be a lot closer at halftime than maybe people expect. I don't think Jake Bentley will have out of this out of this world stats. You know, I, I think he'll play an okay game. I, I just – until he does it, I can't go out on a limb and say he's going to have some fantastic game. And I mean, I think eventually Clemson's got too much talent. I mean, I'm going to go, I'm going to go probably Clemson 45, South Carolina 21. I'm just, I'm really nervous for that secondary. And I think, again, it, it might be a score where it's 21 14, Clemson at half. And people are, you know, really, really surprised. I mean, honestly, I think everybody, you know, I, I can imagine, Tom, if we're, you know, because we're going to be at flight Saturday in Charlotte. I, I would imagine the mood in there would be pretty good if South Carolina was down seven and a half. I, I really do. Um, but I just think Clemson's got too much. They'll pull away. ETN will find a way to run all over South Carolina. And I think South Carolina will cover. Again, great teams do cover. So, I think they will cover that spread. But I just – right now, I, I just – the defense really, really scares me. And I think for South Carolina to – I think for South Carolina to even have a chance going into the fourth quarter, I think Saturday night South Carolina's got to play their A game and Clemson's got to play their C-minus game. I just – from a talent perspective, I mean, I hate to be that guy. Like, I hate to be negative Nancy, if you will, but I, I would love to see this team come out and prove me wrong and just hit somebody in the mouth. That, that's what I just need to see. I'm in show-me mode a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I've got 45-21 Clemson getting the W, which just sucks to say. It'd be their fifth in a row. It hurts. Um, it burns. I mean, there's nothing fun about that to say, but, I mean, just right now you look at the talent discrepancy. Um 
So, yeah. But other than that, we've got some listener questions. Obviously, I already with Clemson Tom. But now I told you, Tom, before we came on, I have a story for you. So, and it's funny. I'm going to actually tell this tomorrow, which if you're listening to this, it's, it's already Wednesday. So, I may have already even told it. But um, it's a pretty funny story, actually, like how I was almost a Clemson fan, which sound, that sentence just sounds ridiculous. But so, my grandfather is the one that got me into college football. Long story short with him. He went to Clemson. He's from Asheville, North Carolina, had no allegiances at all, whatever. Went to Clemson for school back in the, I think he graduated 57. I mean, way back, 40s, 50s, whatever. I think 50s, it was 50s. I think 57 was when he graduated. Um, and he was a Clemson fan. He was a Clemson fan, had season tickets. They went, he was at the national championship in 81. Like, I mean, full out Clemson fan. He went there, he was alumnus. He worked in construction. He worked in uh, – he was an estimator, I guess you could say. And he had, then he had a construction business. So, he's up in Clemson. Um, it's, what, 1989. So, Clemson obviously won the national championship, and they got a ton of trouble, right, Danny Ford, the whole scandal. I don't know all the details of it, but there was a huge – there was a bit of a scandal, if you will, with Danny Ford. Um, and I believe he was fired in either 88 or 89. Again, the years could be wrong. But – Basically, what he told me is that he went up there and he was doing some work on campus. And it was, he said he was on campus the day that Danny Ford got fired. And he said he just heard the things that people were saying about Danny Ford, just basically saying how he's a terrible person. He's just this and that. And like, we're really, you know, we're really talking down. I mean, we're really, really getting laying into him, he told me. And he said that rubbed him wrong. That rubbed him so wrong that he just said, screw it. I'm done with Clemson. He did, said he didn't watch football for a year and then decided to be a Carolina fan starting in like 1990, 1991. So, and that was it. I mean, that, that was, he became a South Carolina fan, but it's it just crazy that, I mean, it was that close. I mean, if that doesn't happen, I'm a Clemson fan, which is again, just crazy and very uncomfortable to say, but I think it's a cool story to hear because Again, he, he came from – he was unbiased, obviously, starting out. So, it was a lot easier. You know, obviously, I could never – no, no, I don't know anyone that could ever do that, that could ch- change from one side to the other, you know, cross enemy lines. But he found a way to do it. I don't know. I mean, thankfully for me, I, 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 I'm happy to be a Gamecock, but it's just wild to think. But uh, I think else? one of the – I mean, obviously, I just want to say something really quick. I mean, obviously, your story is great that you – or switch from the dark side to the <laughs> to the Jedi. Obviously, great things there. But um, I heard this story. I can't remember who told me. I don't even think it's a story. But this guy was talking one time about how he he used to be a Carolina fan growing up, and then Clemson just beat South Carolina almost every year. So he just switched to Clemson. And I'm just like, dude. Well, that's one of the biggest bandwagon stories ever. Like, how how do you even admit that? That's just the most embarrassment. And I. Obviously, Clemson's up in the in the wins, how much ever it is. But I think I saw Profit tweet this. Rob Profit, friend of the show, tweeted that um since like 1946, South Carolina and Clemson, the difference in the in the wins is only like 10. So I'm like, I mean, really, like 10 wins is like obviously yeah a lot, but it's not like a complete domination like so many right, Clemson right. fans that pretend to act like like pre 1940s. I don't think really that's when people football was played with leather helmets. It's like, do people really care about what happened before then? I mean, honestly, at this point, I mean, since the 90s, I mean, since the 90s and 80s, which I would say when the most was when really football started, real football. But I don't know. I just don't understand that. And No, no. I, I and just, so I got a, something to say to that because I tweeted about something. I tweeted about that in the offseason 
um, actually breaking down the records and stuff. But basically the way that my – getting back to my grandfather's story, basically the way that my grandfather worded it to me, because he probably told me this story 2005, 2006, you know, South Carolina just hired Steve Spurrier. He basically told me it would be like – because he felt that Danny Ford was slighted against because he chewed Red Man and drank Budweiser. Like, it was a very different time, right? I mean, Joe Morrison smoked cigarettes, I believe. It's like the same thing. So, it was a very different time with football coaches and what was acceptable. But he basically said he felt like he was slighted and that they fired him because of that. People didn't like him. And he, my grandfather always phrases they hired Bible toting Ken Hatfield. That's what he called him, Bible toting Ken Hatfield. And if you look up Ken Hatfield, he was not a good head coach at Clemson, not, not all that great. Um, but he basically worked, phrased it to me. He said, it'd be like if South Carolina was waiting. You know, they had a terrible history. They finally hire Steve Spurrier. He takes them to the promised land. They win the national championship, and they fire him because they don't like because he talks trash or something. They just they just fired him just because they don't like him. And that's he just felt betrayed. He said he felt betrayed by Clemson, the fans, everyone, and just said screw it. So, but getting back to what you were talking about because it's really interesting. I tweeted about that in the off season, and it's you know it's funny because there's always this debate from Clemson and Clemson fans. They talk it's the trash they talk is. It's crazy to me the trash that Clemson fans talk for a team that's so good because they don't talk football. They, they don't want to talk football. Clemson fans would rather talk to you about how South Carolina fans are all closet Alabama fans and talk about the fact they've dominated yeah. the last two games, which is insane. I mean, you have so many things you could pull out right now, but that's like the ace in the hole. for You know, like, you know that – you know And you know what? I'm spoiling it right now, but we're going to make this meme. You know the meme that a lot of people put up, I'm lagging, bro, and it's the SpongeBob, and it's all reliable, and he opens up the yeah. box? That's Clemson fans with South SEC Gamecocks. That, that literally, and Tom, that literally you need to make that meme right now because that, that is literally Clemson fans. Well, if South Carolina fans say one thing, all reliable, SEC Gamecocks, I mean, they, literally everything. It's insane. And, I mean – Clemson Tom, who we have on this show, it's a fantastic interview, but I've gotten in Twitter spats with him, and he literally has, and he told me this, he literally has pictures, I mean, tens of 20s, however many pictures saved of here's a Clemson or a Carolina sticker and an Alabama sticker. Here's a, there's this, there's a picture that floats around on Twitter where it's a Gamecock hat with Roll Tide and printed on it. I can't really explain it. I, I can say this. I've never met a South Carolina fan that was also an Alabama fan. I, no, never I met, I've never met one. Never even ran into mean, one. I think what most Carolina fans are is they're fans of whoever Clemson's playing because they just hate Clemson that much. Like every, every week in and week out, you'll pull for the team Clemson's playing against because you want Clemson to lose every game. And that's just part of being a rivalry. I mean, every Clemson fan, whoever whoever Carolina's playing every week, unless it's Clemson, they're going to be a fan of the opposing team South Carolina's playing. It's just how rivalries work. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. It's just, it's funny. Like, that is the one, that's their ace. That's all reliable for them. SEC Gamecocks or however you want to phrase it. I mean, it's absurd. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. It's honestly crazy that that's what they go to. Um, But, yeah, no, it, I saw the, you know, anyways, I tweeted out the stat. I mean, since, if you take out, and which you can't do this, and I don't want to do this, but, I mean, Clemson fans love to talk about how it's been such a domination. I mean, the record's 69-42-4. That's not exactly close. But, I mean, you take out pre-World War II, I mean, it's actually been a fairly even series. And you just – 
here's the thing. You just wouldn't think that if you just heard one side of the story. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, it's like I can't answer for why South Carolina's 1934 team wasn't all that good. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't see. Like, I don't know why we lost two to nothing. I, I don't know. It's like it's so funny to, like, trash talk what happened, not just before you were born. Because, I mean, you know, I was born in 1990. I'm posting a highlight video today on our social account from 1984. I mean, it's a great memory, but I'm not going to trash talk the 84 game. I wasn't there. I mean, I'm, that's the way I look at it. I wasn't alive. But, like, you want to trash talk these games and, like, the overall record. It's like, dude, like, 40 of those, like you said, were played with leather helmets. Like, it's just so funny. It's crazy. You got any good Clemson stories, Tom? I, I know, I know one uh, of your one of your best friends, the Spencer kid, right? He's a Clemson guy, right? Yeah, I mean, he's pretty. He's, aw- he's pretty awful. He's he's pretty dreadful. Yeah, he's the worst of all time, Spencer. He, he's, listeners, pretty I hate you. he's pretty dreadful. He's pretty. I mean, I'm. I, this is Chris Phillips. You're you're dreadful. I just all. <laughs> you're pretty awful. I mean, a good. I guess a good Clemson game story is that I was at the game that started the five in a row and um i just remember my dad is one of the biggest like if we're losing at halftime we're going home like we lost a like he would like we're gonna make he's the biggest like if we lose a game like make him walk home back to columbia make the entire effing team do this and that and like we should go back to the southern conference which if anyone doesn't know what the southern conference is that's like wofford and Furman and schools like that and he's like Literally literally chattanooga yeah, so like we, he's like we should just go back to that conference. He's like, it's, it's just funny to watch him like talk about it. But um, anyway, we were at the we were at the Clemson, the Carolina Clemson game where um, God, who took the opening kickoff back? C.J. Spiller, C.J. Spiller took the opening kickoff back. Everybody in the stadium is just like mother effort. We're gonna lose again. Like this is it sucks. And then South Carolina ends up winning. And I just remember people chanting the game, doing the Gamecocks chant in the tunnel, like the, the I don't know what the name for it is the, the spinny thing you walk yeah, down whenever yeah, you're the going turnstile. come on man the turnstile turn I'm, turn I'm there with it but that was probably one of the best feelings as a kid is just screaming Gamecocks to the top of your lungs after beating Clemson at home and beating them very well especially after they got out to a hot start like that but it was I mean one of the best experiences of my lifetime yeah no I was at so I was at uh I've let me see how many South Carolina Clemson games I've been to I went in 2008 which was brutal brutal you you think the start of 09 was bad i was at the chris smelly bowl the Dabo chris smelly Dabo sweeney bowl in clemson i ain't chris smelly oh my lord man that, that was probably you know what i'll say this for all the criticism we've given jake bentley i don't that was probably the worst game by a south Carolina quarterback i've ever seen that chris smelly game in 2008 at clemson and it was Dabo. he was still the interim coach and i just remember being in the upper deck in clemson i mean it had to be it had to be 38 degrees and misting. I mean, it was a miserable, miserable day to be out there. And we and South Carolina lost. Um, and then I was there in 2013. So I okay. So I was there in 2013 too, which I'll get to in just a second because I was also at 2015. Yes. So yep, just 2015. So I've been to three: 2008, 2013, 2015. 2013 by far probably one of my best football memories. One of my best, maybe my best football memory is when Pharaoh Cooper throws it to Brandon Wiles to seal the game, and you're like, "That it's over." I actually still have the sticker on my sticker board. They were handing them out in Williams Bryce. I was in section 501. If you sit in section 501, shout out to you because it was a blast. But I was probably like row one or row two of section 501. There was a guy up there handing out bumper stickers or just stickers in general. 
but it was just the word losers, like huge in bold black, and the O was the Clemson Tiger Paw. And it was just like at that moment, you just – I thought to myself, I don't think we're ever going to lose to them again. I, I just – I don't see it happening. And I remember walking out of the stadium, the same thing, Gamecocks chant or whatever, and that week was fear the thumb and high five and all that. And I remember one of the funniest things somebody ever said to me. I was walking out, and some guy was like, yeah, what are we going to say next year? And this guy shouts, he's like, too much cock for one hand to hold. And I was like, oh, my God, we have to win now. I wish it would have happened because I would have – I still have not forgotten that. It was literally one of the funniest things I've ever heard at a football game or anywhere. But, God, 2013 was – it was amazing. That was an amazing game. And then 2015, obviously, South Carolina didn't win. But it was a fun game to be at. I decided to make the trip anyways. And uh, after South Carolina lost to the Citadel, I don't know if you – I don't know if you remember this, Tom, about the 2015 game. But that was the game because South Carolina lost to the Citadel. I think almost every South Carolina fan sold their ticket to a Clemson fan. The entire East Upper, which is where I sat, literally all orange. I'd say it was like 95% orange. It was it was brutal. It was very brutal. But actually a fun game. I actually thought there for a second South Carolina was going to win that game. But, I mean, yeah, definitely some great memories. I mean, I think South Carolina fans all have fond memories of the streak. And you were at the first one. To, you were at the first game that started the streak. I was the one that ended it. So, I don't know what that means, <laughs> but yeah, we need to do some reverse hex or some reverse something to change it around. I know that for sure. Yeah, um, I just need to go to one soon and to go to the one – I try to go one next year because obviously I can't this year because we're doing a live broadcast, but go to the one next year and then never go again. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'll just never go again because, I mean, the next one I go to would end it. So, I mean, it's just like, nope, we'll just keep the cap open yeah. on this thing and that's it. Be done with it. Don't Don't test lady luck, so – um, but yeah, like you said, anybody, you know, we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap the show up. We actually have some listener questions I want to get to, but anybody that did not know that we've put a graphic out. So if you didn't know it, shame on you, but, uh, we are, we have a live show coming up this Saturday. I mean, if you're, again, if you're listening to this, it's probably Wednesday, maybe it's Thanksgiving. Maybe you're eating some Turkey right now. Who knows? Uh, we got a live show coming up though. in uh, at, uh, at flight, which is a, if you don't know, is a bar in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, they are the official Gamecocks bar in Uptown Charlotte. We will have a live show there, which will start at 5 o'clock, obviously kickoff being at 7. We're going to start at 5. Should have some really special guests roll through. I think we may have Tori Gurley. I, I know Ryan Holinsky's calling in. Um, I think Mo Brown might be there. You really never know who's going to stop by. I mean, it's going to be a very open forum, an open show. We're going to have a lot of fun with it. I'm also going to broadcast it live on Periscope. See, so if you guys don't tune into us right now on Periscope, be sure you do that because, again, we should have some Gamecock celebrities roll through. We're going to have a really, really good time, again, just kicking it, talking some shop, talking Carolina Clemson. Um, and if you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, I mean, please come out. We'd love the support. We'd love to be heckled. We'd love to hear it all. I mean, it's, it's, again, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, hoping to meet a lot of Gamecock fans on Saturday. I know we're um, working, again, directly with Flight, but obviously the Charlotte Gamecock Club, we've gotten support from them as well. We really appreciate it. And, I mean, I'm, I don't know about you, Tom, but I'm looking forward to a really fun show because I think, again, our first live show, um, obviously a really, really big step with us. And I talked about it last week, but a reason we, we pushed this relaunch and rebrand so quickly and so hard. But I, I definitely think, uh, you know, it's paying off already huge dividends because I, I just, again, I cannot wait for Saturday. It's going to be a huge step for us, and I'm hoping for a lot more, a lot more live shows in the future. So I don't think it'll be our last one, if that makes sense. Um, all right, let's get into some of these listener questions. I apologize if anyone did not get their questions in. I actually put the 
the link for the questions up late. And oh, here we go. Okay, so I actually put the link up to the questions late. We've still got some questions, thankfully. Um, but yeah, I apologize. I put the link up late. And again, we've also got a couple, I think we've got a couple of voicemails we'll get to in just a second. Let's go ahead and jump right into them, Tom. Um, Ryan underscore Chris underscore JRC asks, if South Carolina pulls the upset, do you <laughs> – oh, my goodness. If South Carolina pulls the upset, do you think Clem shit still makes the college football playoff? No, no chance. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I was, I, multiple teams that are, that are around where Clemson's at that I already have one loss would have to lose again for Clemson to get in. And if they got in, it would be like a four seed playing Alabama as a one. Yeah, I, I mean, especially with that that schedule. I mean, it's just yeah, schedule's not the greatest. Everybody already knows you've got a cupcake schedule, so I just, I don't see it. You lose to South Carolina, no, I I just laugh because you put Clem shit. It honestly made me chuckle. Um, underscore Seth dot P asked, can, can the defense hold them under thirty? I'm gonna say a resounding no, um, just because of the just just because of the lack of depth. I mean, just period. I mean, South Carolina just I don't think has the bodies right now to have that type of defensive performance. Um, spin underscore Jordan. How many touchdowns do we win by? Uh, <laughs> Cox by ninety. Uh, yeah, Cox by ninety. Like, I think we beat Akron by four touchdowns. I think that's what he meant. Actually, he, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't definitely. specify. So I'm going to say we beat Akron by four touchdowns. So appreciate the question. Mm-hmm. Um, AJ Bowers underscore eleven. The number one thing we need to do to beat Clemson is. The number one thing we need to do to beat Clemson is A.J. Bowers underscore 11 is play our A-plus game, not be intimidated, play our A-plus game and hope Clemson has an off night. That's I mean, a very off night. Yeah, I definitely think you're right there. But I was just going to say, I mean, basically Trevor Lawrence is probably going to have to get hurt. I don't see any other. I mean, I don't think there's any way we can score enough points to, to beat them unless Trevor Lawrence just gets hurt and has to go out the game. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. Um, and then Austin Arnold dot two says, hopefully we can play Clemson like we did in 2015. We talked about it earlier. I just think South Carolina has to come out with an edge and play with some confidence. I and mean, that's the biggest difference to me, as you could tell. You could tell that team had been in those kind of games before and wasn't going to be intimidated by, uh, you know, the stage they were on, if that makes sense. So, um, Okay, so we do have – let's see here. We do – we do have some voicemails. I'm a little disappointed, Tom, because I think I, – you know what I think it is? I think people are way more apt to call in and leave voicemails when South Carolina loses, when they're pissed. Uh, we're gonna get, if, we get, if we get blown out next week, we'll have a fucking million of them. Well, I'm just saying because we have literally one voicemail. But everyone that hears this voicemail, I'm, I assume most of you actually, you're going to recognize who the name is. It's a friend of our show. It's a guy that – Really, really funny. One of the funnier Gamecock Twitter follows. So I'll go ahead and play this message here. Yo, uh, what's up? It's uh, Taylor Dively. Uh, love you guys' show. It's a uh, lovely to listen to. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Uh, even some thoughts about uh, the Clemson Carolina game. Uh, my thoughts for the game um, I don't know how optimistic you expect me to be. But uh, I think Clemson's going to score a whole lot of points. How many points, you ask? Not going to answer because I don't want to feel sad. But, uh, yeah, I think they're going to score a lot of points. All I really am excited for, I am excited to see how our offense does against their defense. I don't think that anyone with a brain is going to sit here and tell you that uh, our defense is going to be able to stop Clemson's uh, offense 
with any success for a long period of time. I think we may get lucky and get a few stops, uh, maybe a few punts, but I don't really see the pepper coming on the field more than uh, more than three times. I just don't see it happening. But, uh, I like I said, I'm excited to see how Jake Bentley, uh, he's been playing his best football in his career since the second half of A&M. So I'm excited to see how he uh, plays against Clemson's good defense. I think the best part of our line, uh, of our game, of our entire team this whole season has been our uh, offensive line's pass protection. Jake, Lee, Jake Bentley hasn't taken a lot of sacks, and he's had a whole lot of time. So I'm excited to see how our, our offensive line deals with uh, Clemson's really good defensive line. Um, also, part of the question I saw on Twitter was, uh, what do I hate most about Clemson? And um, I hate that they exist more than anything. <laughs> That's my thing that I hate about them the most, just their existence as a whole. Um, and then my favorite joke um, uh, I was just going to say, have you guys heard of the uh, rather Clemson Library fire? Because uh, it's kind of tragic because uh, two of the three books weren't even colored in yet. Hey, I, <laughs> I'm funny. Uh, you, like I said, said the sh- love the show um, and go Cox. Peace. Just a legendary voice. Yeah, pretty, pretty solid stuff. Just there. a legendary voicemail. What do I hate the most about Clemson? That they exist. <laughs> that I mean, is laugh accurate. out loud funny. Oh my! That just that sums it up. You don't have to say anything else. Just the fact they even exist. So yeah, yeah I mean, pretty pretty good stuff. Taylor there. Taylor Dively again. You guys probably most of you probably do follow him. He's a great Twitter follow. Um, Taylor, appreciate the voicemail, man. That was absolutely fantastic, and I couldn't agree with you more. The fact they exist also bothers me as well. So um, yeah, I mean, like I said, that was our only voicemail, but damn, we made it count for sure. So um, yeah. Yeah, but again, that's going to wrap it up for us. Again, if you guys are in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come check out our live game day podcast. First ever one we're going to have from flight in Charlotte, North Carolina and Uptown. We'll be back with you guys next week to recap the Gamecocks game against Clemson and obviously preview the upcoming game, the makeup game against Akron and Williams-Brice. But until then, we've got a very special guest, again, a man that's been on college game day multiple times. He comes from the Clemson side of things. He comes from the dark side, but – a very, very special guest indeed and someone that we wanted to bring on specifically for this week. Um, Tom sat down with him for a quick interview with Clemson Tom. So please enjoy this interview. Let us know your thoughts. Go on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. Bear with us as we wait for our show to be approved on iTunes. Um, and we'll catch you next week. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Enjoy this interview. Welcome to the interview portion of the Spurs Up show for Clemson Week. For this week, we have Clemson Tom. If you don't know who that is, I guess you've been living under a rock. He's one of, I would say, Clemson's most prominent fans. You've been on game day, what, three times? About anyway, three just, three just times want to welcome him to the show. And to, uh, Clemson Tom's glad to have you on here. Thanks, man. Uh, glad to have – or glad to be a part of it. Uh, should be a good interview today, guys. So, let's get right to it. I, and we're going to go from anywhere from Clemson to the playoff to, you know, different things. So just make sure you stay tuned in for the entire interview. But uh, my first question will be that, obviously, Dabo Sweeney has had a lot of success as the head coach at Clemson. You know, when he was hired, did you expect the, 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 the I would say the level of success he's brought to the football program? Have you Would you expect what the things that he's done for absolutely. Clemson football program? No, absolutely not. That um, You always expect a certain level of success. Um, I mean, there was even a time I wasn't even his, his, his biggest fan. I just was, especially you guys were beating us. You know, we, uh, we always felt like we kept getting in our own way, <clears throat> but you could see like, all right, he's trying to build something here. But at the same time, you're like, man, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if we're ever going to reach, reach the top. And then we get to Sean Watson and 
you know, things things are looking up and up. But I, I never was really sold on Deshaun this freshman year because everyone's good, you know, coming in out of high school. But, I mean, the kid obviously proved me wrong. I was on him, definitely was behind him, just wasn't sure if he was going to live up to the hype. Same thing with Trevor Lawrence. Just wasn't sure how the hype was going to work out. But, you know, Sean gets in there. Defense just reloads and reloads, you know, year after year. Wide receivers come in, and, you know, next thing you know, we won the national championship. We're, I feel like we belong in the playoffs every year. I mean, it doesn't seem right if we're never – if we're not in the playoffs, it's almost expected at this point. So, no, I, I never, never thought it would get – to be like this, to where, you know, we're always in the competition. And that's something I forgot to – I've completely forgot to mention this whenever I was doing the intro, but when I was, like, growing up, I remember when South Carolina – and this is when Dabo, when South Carolina, you know, won five in a row over Clemson, whatever, it doesn't matter now, but you used to post those YouTube videos, and those things were some of the most hilarious videos, like, I'd ever seen in my life. Just to see, like, the absolute outrage you had every year. Because it wasn't like – Clemson was good every year. Like, y'all were winning 10 games, but yeah. the fact that it seemed like you couldn't beat South Carolina every year was such, like, a heartbreaker, and I, I just thought it was yeah. hilarious. Yeah, it was, those were fun, man. A lot of people took those, like, really serious to the point where I was like, like, chill. Like, even, like, even, you know, we all have those those fans, but Clemson has some uppity fans, which I just wasn't aware of until you start doing stuff, and you're like, dude, chill. Like, I mean, I had some people who were like, you're, you're such a disgrace to the university. I'm like, I'm talking football. You know, like, chill. Like, I'm not yeah. discussing the chemistry department. And uh, it used to bug me. Then I met one of those fans. I was, like, really uppity. And um, I met him, and I'm like, I can't believe I let this nerd, like, get me into my feels that way. I was like, like, then I just kind of laugh it off. And now it just, after a while, your your skin gets a little thicker, and, and I, I don't even pay attention to it anymore. Well, I mean, I definitely think there, or for every fan base, you have those fans. They're just going to act ridiculous and say things that don't make any sense, regardless of what's going on. But um, yeah. I would think that with Clemson being such a powerhouse, I don't think anybody can deny at this point mm-hmm. they're a I would say top. They're going to be a top four or five team until unless their recruiting just drops. I know we're out of this guy, but um, a lot yeah. of people are saying nowadays that the ACC is one of the weaker conferences. I would say I would say they're the weakest conference in the Power Five. If you want to say them or Pac twelve, I would I could lean the way there. My personal opinion, but do you think that Dabo and the rest of the coaches benefit you know, on the field and off the field recruiting wise for playing in? I would say one of the weaker conferences in the Power Five, and maybe not. It, obviously, they dominate every year, but maybe maybe when it comes to playoff time, they're more well-rested than other teams like in Alabama or Michigan or Ohio State or Oklahoma. I would say faced a tougher schedule than Clemson has. Well, there's it's a give and a take because, yes, the ACC isn't a powerhouse conference, but we still got some good teams. It's just I think history and tradition makes you overlook those games. <clears throat> and the same thing with, like, the Alabamas. Alabama hasn't played anybody all year. Like, who, who was their toughest game? Like, even the, the SEC is down. And people want to keep hyping, you know, SEC, SEC. And, yeah, there for a while, I think like a 10-year mark, the SEC was really, really good. And it was the best conference. But even now, I mean, they're not what they were. They're still living off, you know, yesterday's hype and everything else. So to say that, I would – I mean, would you – all right, right. let me ask you an honest question. With Clemson having Alabama schedule, are we still undefeated? Uh, I think they would be closer to – I think it would be harder for Clemson to go into Death Valley and dominate. I don't know if they're undefeated, but I don't think they're. I, I could I could see undefeated maybe, but I wouldn't definitely wouldn't see them dominating teams week in and week out like Alabama. Okay, yeah, maybe not the domination aspect of it. I would I would give you that, but I mean, even then, I I don't see just looking at across the board. I don't see a game that we we would lose. Um, if I mean, you know anything, Michigan or even Notre Dame has a harder schedule, which I'll I'll even say the Big Twelve is starting to step it up. With Michigan being back, Penn State's, you know, on the up and up. 
Uh, Wisconsin's, you know, doing pretty decent. Northwestern surprising teams, and Northwestern isn't you know, a typical powerhouse, but they're still hanging with teams and they're beating teams they're not supposed to beat. Uh, Michigan State's always solid on defense. You know, they always have a down year here and there, but I mean, they're still solid. Um, but as you're going on off of what you're saying, is better rested? Yeah, I can see that because I mean, there's some games we play kids, I don't even know who they are. Like, yeah. I, I've never even heard about this kid. And I mean, that's something that I, I would think that Alabama and Tua's been getting pulled almost every game going into the fourth quarter. I think the first fourth quarter he played was against LSU. I could be a little off on that. But, um, I mean, it seems like when Clemson plays people, most of the time at least, that their starters are going to be pulled halfway through the third quarter every game. And yeah. unless, unless you're playing, like, one of the out-of-conference games this year, like against A&M, or, like, I I would think this year's South Carolina game, South Carolina-Clemson game will be a lot more competitive. So, hopefully, hopefully Clemson starters are in in the fourth quarter. But, you know, when you're only playing – two or three games a year where you're really having to play four quarters of football, I think it gives you a lot of, it gives you a lot of rest and a, it, it kind of gives you a sense of, you know, we teams, you know, we're going to be way more rested than they are to be way more True. ready to go than whoever we're facing in the playoff is. Cause I mean, if you look at, and it, I think it kind of hurts Clemson too sometimes. I, that's maybe, what I was about to say, but I was playing devil advocate at the same time. We've only game time experience. We've only had maybe two and a half, three quarters to work together. And you can even see from last week at Duke, Maybe that hurt us a little bit. I mean, we had more drops than I've ever seen us have, you know, in a game. But I mean, it was a little bit colder. The ball was a little bit wetter. It was a little, you know, it was a, little, it was a different, you know, feel for the. And all the kids that are dropping are all basically freshmen. But you're, you're yeah. going to have mistakes. But I'm, yeah, to play devil's advocate and almost agree with you there. Yeah, I, I could see it hurting us in the long run. But something yeah, I want to touch on because something I've really been impressed by this year is uh. Clemson's receivers, man, Justin Justin Ross, T. Higgins, I can't think, Dion, the Kendrick kid. And yeah, then, Hunter Renfro still around for his Hunter, I mean, the receivers are just unreal. And how much of a benefit do you think Trevor Lawrence gets from playing with a receiver core and having Travis Etienne, players around him that are just so elite? Yeah, what his best friend right now is Devin, is definitely uh, Travis Etienne, as well as you know, Adam Choice, as well as the, as the young kid, uh, can't think of his name, Dixon. Um, the running back, he's a, he's a young kid too. He's a freshman. That whole core working together. I mean, you got to think, look how good they are now. Can you imagine two more years working together night and day in the offseason? Cause you know, in the off season, they're, they're back there practicing plays. They're in the weight room together. They're, they're building that camaraderie. They're, they're getting their timing down next year, the year after this offense is probably going to be, I'm, I'm actually willing to say it's going to be the best offense we've ever seen. Well, I mean, I think, I think if there's going to be a down year for Clemson, I think it's going to be next year because I think you're going to lose so much on that defensive line. And I don't care what recruits you bring in, in my humble opinion, you're not going to replace those four guys. And, I, and I'm not saying that Clemson – I'd say Clemson's down year is going to be next year. Clemson's down year is going to be next year maybe, and they'll maybe lose two games at the most. And I think that having that defensive line this year has helped, you know, the offense tremendously. They don't – for most teams so far this year, Clemson's only going to have to score 20 points to win. I mean, there's not many teams you're going to play that Clemson that Clemson's going to play at least that's just going to put 30 on you. I mean, you're not going to face that until you get the playoff with Clemson. And I think that that's something that's going to hurt them a little bit next year. Obviously, you have Xavier Thomas and K.J. Henry, two guys. I mean, Xavier Thomas has flashed at times this year, I've seen. Freak of an athlete. That's yeah, I mean, would you be willing to say that he could, at the end of his career, which I'm, I'm assuming he's a three and gone, probably be one of the best defensive linemen that's ever played at Clemson? He has every bit of ability to be, and he's even shown that this year. And it's it's tough. I mean, he's playing behind arguably the best defensive line in Clemson football history. I, th- I think that's that's going to be one of the debates that, you know, you and I are going to be in a rocking chair somewhere in the low country s- sipping sweet tea and having that debate. 
Um, it he could be. I'm I'm excited for the kid. You can drop him back. He's fast. I mean, he can cover a wide receiver. I fully expect him to cover a tight end somewhere in the future. But his his versatility is going to easily make him one of the best defensive linemen to ever play at Clemson. And obviously, it sucks for Carolina fans who you know he was a recruit that went back and forth between South Carolina and Clemson for a while. But seeing him play so well and him just absolutely flashing out, he's one of the fastest D linemen I've seen off the edge. And I'm a I was O line in high school. I can definitely appreciate what O line and D line do in college and NFL football. But to see the way he can absolutely just flash off the edge and just run past people, it's going to be very a very scary sight to see when he really gets, I would say, bigger and stronger and is get to the point where he can just throw offensive linemen around. And even another point I would say is that when maybe he gets to the NFL, I think the role that would probably he would be best fitting would be a Von Miller type of guy that yes. occasionally drops back in coverage. That's who. That's really who he reminds me of is Von Miller. He, I mean, he could easily play outside linebacker. Um, he, you can put him at a D end. I mean, his, like I said, his versatility. You can easily go from a four three through to a three four, just just off of him. And and what you would want to do, you can disguise coverages with that guy. Um, from a coaching ability, I mean, he gives you so many options, which which is great. So he could, I mean, to say he's the best, if he'll he'll easily be top five, top ten. I mean, I think that. Playing behind two of the, I would say, I mean, you have four defensive linemen on Clemson. Clemson's first four defensive linemen are three are probably top thirty picks, and, and Austin Bryan, I say, was I would is who's projected to go into the forties and fifties. That's that's four D linemen off of Clemson that are going to go in the first two rounds. At the, I would say, at the worst, go in the first two rounds. But playing behind that obviously has to give him a huge advantage because, A, you're going to be way more fresh than other defensive linemen in the country. If he did went to South Carolina, he'd be playing a lot more snaps than he is at Clemson right now just because of the need. But learning, getting that experience and learning behind those guys has to be an advantage compared to some of the other D linemen in the country. The learning aspect from what he's getting, in a, in a, he's basically getting a, a master's degree in leadership. I mean, think about the guys he's behind right now, showing him, teaching him, because those guys want to leave behind a legacy. They're, I guarantee you that he is under their wing, sitting in film, watching how offenses are working. I mean, he's – you're basically the guy that's replacing Tom Brady, and Tom Brady wants to teach you stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, that's – Imagine that. I mean, he's, he's set up for success in so many ways. I mean, I, I definitely think he's going to be one of the better D linemen to ever play at Clemson. I, I, but before I get, you know, my fans pissed off about me being excited about a Clemson <laughs> player, um, let's get back to South Carolina and the Clemson, the real game that's going to go on. What do you think of the job that Will Muschamp has done through three years at South Carolina? He's going to become, after this year, most likely going to become the winningest coach through three years at South Carolina, which kind of speaks to the job he's done. It also speaks to the history of South Carolina's football program. But overall, what do you think of the job he's done so far? Uh, I think he's done okay. He did kind of inherit a dumpster fire. Um, is he really going to be the winningest coach in South Carolina history? Uh, through three years, yeah, he was already tied for uh, through two through three years. So, I mean, if he stayed ten years, I would I would give him a chance to be the winningest coach. And that's just saying that because we really haven't had a coach stay for that long and had six things. It says Joe Morrison comes to mind, but he obviously tragically died in the eighties. But but overall, he would be the most successful coach in three years yet. I think he has to win two more games, maybe, or something like that. So to be the most successful coach and to stay at a bottom-feeding bowl game, how does that make you feel as a South Carolina fan? I mean, it sucks to a point. Game, but, I mean, that's kind of – I mean, it is, it is what it is to me at this point yeah. because over the last 10 years, I would say, South Carolina has had the more success in a 10-year stretch than it ever has 
in his yeah. program history. And it's it's good to be a South Carolina fan. I think that South Carolina fans used to not even expect mm-hmm. to go to a bowl game. And obviously you have to take steps to go in the right direction. And I think that the program, in my opinion, is going in the right direction. And that obviously I think that South Carolina fans right now's expectations should be at minimum eight wins. And then I think in three years from now, if Muschamp, I think with Helensky coming in, it's going to be a big difference maker. But um, That's the quarterback I, from California? Yeah, he's going to be – I think he's going to be yeah. a baller, in my opinion. I I would say you win the SEC East with once with him, and that's not – I wouldn't say that's good enough, but that's the bare minimum expectations based off of his height. But uh, I would think that – It'd be tough. I mean, yeah. it's going to be tough. I mean, you think about – in my like last year, South Carolina won nine games, and I try to play devil's advocate with people about this all the time. South Carolina won nine games last year. Florida was at the worst it's ever been in its history. Tennessee was at the worst it's ever been in its history. Georgia was obviously elite, but I mean that's two of the top three programs in this side of the conference were pretty bad. And I mean, only to win nine games isn't I mean, you win nine games and that helps a lot. That's why I said this year, and I picked us to win like nine games out there or something like that. But I was for this year, I was like, if we regress some, I'm kind of not expecting it, but I can I could see it happen because of how bad so many programs in the SEC East were last year. Yeah, they were. It was I mean it's definitely I mean the, the East has been down for years. That's why like what people always pump up the SEC. I'm like, well, what about this? Oh, well, you know, well, and it's almost like Alabama sucks up so much excuses for you guys. It's laughable. Well, that's why I think it's, it's, it's funny talking about bringing that back up again, but yeah, I mean, to go back with on your must champ question, he's doing a good job. I don't think he's a very good head coach. I was living in Gainesville. um, I think one year when he was there, they loved him, and then he got blown up by Louisville, and they kind of went downhill from there. I I just don't think he's a very good head coach. I think he's more of a coordinator type of coach. I mean, which is fine. I mean, look at Venables; he is arguably top three best defensive you know coordinators in the country, and we pay him as such. So you know, maybe he goes back to being a coordinator somewhere because he can easily get a job being a defensive coordinator. I don't think he's a great offense of offensive type of person that's why he has to always have a good offensive coordinator but I just don't think he's a very good head coach well I don't know if you actually saw this stat today but for points per game McClendon is averaging more points per game this year than only like one Spurrier team averaged in his entire existence in his entire coaching career at South Carolina so I think I think McClendon's a superstar in the making and I could be wrong about this and people could, you know, if he ends up sucking next year then so be it but I think he's going to be if he, if he can stay at South Carolina they can keep McClendon and T-Rod there I think that Mushnick is going is going to end up having a decent amount of success and I mean when you think about it on South Carolina scale like what is success if if you know Mushnick keeps a keeps a career of you know making five or six bowl games in a row and maybe making a New York a New Year six and winning the East every once in a couple of years I mean that's as good as you can really ask for considering how in South Carolina's program history we won the SEC once and I mean we have one SEC championship that came from the 60s you know there's not been a lot of success so when you have a guy like Muschamp come in and guarantee that you I would say he can almost guarantee you win seven games a year South Carolina fans shouldn't you know be satisfied with that but you have to be happy with it to a point yeah but I mean I don't maybe because I'm on the other side I, I wouldn't want to be happy with that um like there's there there's even sometimes I just wonder and and not to, to to trash talk but it's almost like you guys have always been you know kind of on the bottom half of everything is it doesn't there come a point in time especially now with with social media where almost everyone can have a voice um like if you said something I mean look how just things are now if you said something bad and it's on camera like you're gonna get fired from your job just because someone has a 10 second clip of you cussing out someone and then they just, they put their own spin on it and not having the whole story. 
you're instantly fired. Well, uh, I mean, I mean, just think about that. Are you you really just want to sit back and just yeah, you know, we'll lose to Kentucky here and there, and we'll we'll place third in the East, and you know, this is who we are. I mean, doesn't it come a point in time where you're like, we, it's it's time to to take that next step and and win the East. I mean, you I mean, went there one time and got blown out by Auburn. That was also Cam Newton's Auburn team. That I think whoever went out of East would have gotten blown out by. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I was at I, I'm not I was at that, that game and I watched it, and it was one. Of, I mean, seeing him play and just absolutely destroy South Carolina was unreal. But I mean, back to your point, I think that you you can never be satisfied with losing. You have to want, want to win every game, and I think that's Muschamp's mindset. But my problem is with South Carolina fans who expect us to win eleven and twelve games every year, and we're just not at the pro, at a point right now where the program is going to do that. You know, three or four years from now, if Muschamp trends in the right direction and recruiting trends in the direction it's been going in. Maybe we can get to that point where 10 wins is the expectation, 10 or more, and then winning the East. But having a Georgia that you're going to have to compete against every year, that's just going to be so good as long as Kirby Smart's there. Dan Mullen being at Florida, I think that you have to be, you know, you, know, you have to not be satisfied with eight wins or be happy with eight wins, but that should be your bare minimum expectation. That's really what I'm saying. Okay, okay, yeah, then, yeah, then I'll agree with you. Your bare minimum should be eight to nine. Yeah, anything less than that, you you would want to say that's a failure. Well, I would say, I mean, next year the schedule is really tough considering we play, you know, Alabama, you play Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia. That's three out of the top six teams in the country, whatever week you're, whatever week you're in. That's next year is going to be the toughest schedule, but I think Holinsky's. I would say Alinsky's redshirt freshman year, as long as he doesn't play four mm-hmm. next year, would be the year that I would judge him the most on. You know, that program is going to be his at this point. Those are his players. If he wins ten games that year, I think the most South Carolina fans will be pretty satisfied or expect him to get extended at some point. I mean, is he as good as advertised? Because you see, you guys always seem to get like even Bentley, what came in highly rated. Then you had like two other kids before him that ended up transferring or, or quitting and all this other stuff that were supposed to be the next greatest thing. I mean, how good is this kid from? I mean, he's from California, which is a is a football powerhouse state, but rarely does a kid leave the the state, which is pretty good a pretty good nod when it comes to recruiting on you guys. So I'll, I'll definitely give you that. But I mean, is he? What do you think? Is he going to live so, up to that? I think I, I'm willing to say he lives up to the expectations, and it's not just that. I mean, sure, we got him from California, but I think a lot of things went our way with that recruiting with the recruiting process for him. But it wasn't. I mean, Stanford offered him late, and that was his dream school, and you know, if they offered him a little bit early, it probably have been harder to keep him on. But yeah. after we offered him, Michigan offered, and Ohio State offered, and there were some other you know big time offers he got. So it made me be confident about the way he plays. And I mean, he's killed it at Elite Eleven. You know, other thing, other yep. you know, measuring sticks, he's done really well. And so he played well this year too. And he, I would say his his the program that he played at in California isn't that great. And for him to win five or six games with them would be pretty pretty good. I mean, last year they had a lot more success, but he's playing against, you know, the Bishop Gormans, the, that, you know, that really tough schedule out there in uh, California. But um, I, I, I think he's going to be their next real big deal. And my thing with Bentley is that obviously expectations were high for some people, but he was barely a four-star recruit. And that's, and you know, you can say what you want about the star ratings and whatever you want to, but I don't, yeah, I don't take a lot of that. Um, back when we used to have a sports show uh, before I stepped away to be a, to be a dad, we always said five star kids bring five star problems. Yeah. And then a, a two or three star kid would always, you know, put forth or typically we put forth a five star effort. So we would always have a have a thing with you have to make sure the five star kid is a five star person. Yeah. And that and we always is. That in recruiting. 
Because, I mean, this is something that – because I interviewed Holinsky personally, and he's always been a, a great kid from the outside looking in at least. But something that he he talked about that I didn't even know about during our interview was how he would go and, you know, visit hospitals every week. And it was something that no one knew about, and it didn't – and nobody knew about it until one of a parent tweeted. He had been doing this for almost a year at this point, going to hospitals and talking to kids with terminally ill, you know, cancer or whatever else. And it just shows the, the quality of character he has. And obviously with his brother, I think he's done a lot of good with his brother – I mean, his brother committed suicide. It was a terrible thing. You know, prayers out to them. But you know, a, a lot of a lot of good has come from that tragedy. And I think he's going to be a guy character wise that I would say would be around the level of a. I don't. I'm not saying he's going to be our Deshaun Watson, but he's going to be a guy character wise on the field wise that people are going to is he's going to be a very high quality player and he's going to be a very high quality person off the field like Deshaun was for Clemson. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm glad for. I mean, as a rival, you never want your rival to have like good players, but. At the same time, I will never root against, like, a good kid. I mean, I was never Chad Kelly's biggest fan. Um, but at the same time, I mean, that, that kind of speaks for itself. But, I mean, good good kids are, are something you want to cheer for. Anyways, like, even – I was a huge Marcus Lattimore fan. Yeah. Like, for one game a year kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's something with – I mean, Deshaun, that I hated playing against him, but I had to respect who he was on and off the field and expect that, that his character because it was just – I mean – he was such a guy of high quality character. And that's like, I mean, right now with Christian Wilkins, you know, he's a guy that's such a, a great player for Clemson, probably a top five or 10, probably top five or 10 draft pick. Yeah. But I can hate him whenever he plays Carolina, but whenever he's not playing Carolina, I kind of just want to cheer for the guy because he's such a good kid. Yeah. He's, he's definitely one of those, one of those guys you want to definitely. But, um, anyway, back to the actual line of questions, try not to get too, <laughs> too off topic anymore, but, um, what what position group or what player for South Carolina scares you the most for Saturday's game? Uh, can I be honest? Or you want me to? I mean, you can be honest and say nobody. Or I mean, you can... I'm not really. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm I'm not really worried about any of your guys. Just knowing our matchups. Um, I will say Debo. Um, there we go. Punt return. Uh, the kick kick return game. That is one aspect that you guys can easily have a change of momentum just by having Debo Samuels on the field. We have ne- we haven't faced anybody. Um, it's not necessarily the kickoff returns because our kickoff guy is notorious for kicking it, you know, basically out of the end zone. Uh, Potter, when he kicks the ball, it lands in the stands. I'm not even – that's just uh, – the kid's got a boot. Um, punt return, I would say, would be one of the aspects I'm a little nervous on. Special team. You just say special teams then because there's even times in uh, – we're receiving a punt. I'm still still a little shaky, still a little nervous. Um, I do know pregame. I'm not throwing any shade, but you guys like to trash talk us in pregame. I'm, I am kind of worried something gets out of hand. It seems to always happen. Um, back in my prime, I used to love that, and then as you get older, it takes away. It takes more away from the game, and I kind yeah. of hate to see that. Um, I mean, I'm- I'm kind of on the same level of thinking that I hate seeing people like don't trash talk on the field after the game, before the game, you know, trash talk when you're playing or trash yeah. talk by the way you play. Don't just say stuff and then not back it up. hundred percent. And I hated DJ Swearinger, but the funny thing is I was DJ Swearinger when I played, I never stopped talking. Imagine that. Um, I didn't play as good as him, but I mean, I, I, I never, I never wanted to tackle you. I wanted to knock your head off. Yeah, I, I, I rarely went for an interception. I was the only interception I was taking was your earplugs because those were coming with me. Um, and it was funny, like someone I, I remember when when you guys had him, I was like, man, I really hate that guy. Man, he's such a just 
he's he's always he's a cheap shot and, and my buddy looked at me and like you played the same way like why like that's why you hate him because he reminds me of you and I was like that gummit because <laughs> I would lay a hit and then like look and then I would be in your face. Well, I think that he's talk. one of those players like kind of like I would say Cash Sander for Kentucky is like you hate to play against him, but if it was on your team, you'd oh love god him. yeah. If, if we had DJ Swearinger, there would probably be a statue in my house of him. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's just one of those guys who is he like he's he's a competitor, and you know you're going to get the best out of him every game. And I think that's something that and the trash talk was way really fun. I mean, him flexing on Andre Ellington is probably most South Carolina fans like favorite oh, memory of South Carolina Clemson. I was on the field for that, and I saw it like it was almost in slow motion. I mean, he hit him so hard the kid spun. I mean, even when you watch the replay, you're like that. How was that real? It was real. And then he just flex it on top of him. What made me mad about that, because like, if I would have made that hit, yeah, oh, you better believe if I hit you so hard you did a somersault, yes, I'm in your face talking trash. But no one came to Ellington's defense. People didn't even – if that had been like my line and you didn't just push him off, like, come on. Yeah, but that I was mean, how we played back then, and we were a little soft. And I think that's something that – South Carolina Clemson kind of switched the roles on whenever you know, obviously the the winning and the winning part went to Clemson and the losing part went to South Carolina is that you know South Carolina kind of went soft and I would say definitely against the embarrassment that was that fifty six to seven game and Jamarcus King getting dragged into the end zone was South Carolina was just soft at that time and Clemson was a very good ball team they took advantage of South Carolina in every aspect of the game and I think that. In my opinion, I don't think that South Carolina is going to win Saturday, but I, if they keep it close and play hard the entire game, I mean, I'm not going to be satisfied with losing. Obviously, I want to win. It, it sucks to lose to your rival. But if I can just see some form of competitiveness, then that lets me know that we're in the right direction when it comes to actually making this a rivalry again. No, I can see that. I mean, just seeing from your point, because unless some kind of miracle happens, I mean, no trash talk, Just we just have better players. Yeah, I mean, know? it's facts. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's just, I'm not worried about the game. You know, it's a rivalry. I expect you guys to throw the kitchen sink at us. But the cream's going to rise to the top, and, you know, we, we will probably, I mean, there's a 98, 99% chance we're going to win. But looking from, um, you know, switching seats and the roles are reversed, yeah, if my team kept it close against a team that should have blown us out, then a little bit, that's, you can trash talk that a little bit. Like, yeah, you guys are so good, but we kept it close. You're not, you know, you're not that good. You're paper champions and all this other stuff. And it's just one of those things that you can just kind of, you know, you, you got that leg up a little bit on us. But I mean, it's something you can build off of definitely yeah, going towards yeah, next year. Exactly. Cause I, I mean, obviously, I think so. I mean, I've seen the, 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 I would say trash talk of the, I think it's Kentucky's beat us five in a row. I mean, it is what it is. I don't care at this point. Kentucky's beat us five in a row. AM's beat us five in a row. And then Clemson's, if Clemson wins Saturday, that'll be five in a row over us. So I just saw the trash talk. And I thought it was hilarious. That I mean, I just I mentally checked out of this season after the Kentucky game. I just just it was I was over it at that point. But um, I just thought that was so hilarious. It was like fear the quadruple thumb or something. It was something stupid. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> I saw I, it too. The whole fear of the thumb thing. You got started, so yeah. I mean, we, you got it coming right back to you. And I and, hated the fear of the thumb. I mean, being on Twitter and being that fan, I caught more. Than probably anybody did, but I mean, I hated it. The fear of the thumb. I mean, I, God, I did. I hate that. 
I just my thing is that I hate South Carolina fans who get so upset when people trash talk us. But I'm like, in that five year stretch, we trash talked so many, like Clemson, so much. We were five, one, one five in a row. Like you couldn't tell us anything. And I think Clemson fans, it's almost the same way now. Clemson fans, like I don't even try to argue with my friends that are Clemson fans because I just like, what, what am I supposed to say? Like we've lost four in a row. We got beat by in the last two games. We got beat by a score of ninety to seventeen. Like what am I supposed to say at this point? I just don't really like. I don't get why you even go to talk trash for your Carolina fan. Yeah, but I mean, you you kind of have to. You got to back your boys a little bit, and you know, I'm in a bunch of those Carolina versus Clemson groups on Facebook. I used to comment all the time, and now it's it's a lot of trolls. I mean, it's it's this, it's that. I mean, it gets it's. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting older. It's just getting old at this point, just because you just see people just want to say stuff to say stuff. You know what I mean? But that's what also makes the rivalry the rivalry, because the the fans are going to trash talk, win or lose. And I mean, it's, no, it's it's definitely fun, and you know, we post a meme of the week at the Spurs Up show, and we do different stuff. And it's just, I mean, most of it's picking at Clemson's schedule, and obviously, you can say what you want about schedules. I, I don't care. I just think it's funny yeah. the different memes. I, I, like, there's one of them we made with the um with the car like turning into the right lane really fast, and there's a sign with two of them that says Clemson, and it's like playing the ACC is the lane they're turning in too fast, and then playing an actual decent schedule is the other lane. I thought that was pretty funny, but um, any, anyway, so. One of the final questions we have here is, what would South Carolina have to do or what would have to go South Carolina's way for us to pull out a victory Saturday? Um, you got to injure Trevor Lawrence, which I honestly think you're going to be gunning for him. I think your defense is going to try to hurt him. Um, that's not me trash talking, saying you guys are like bad players or bad coach or anything. That's just I've played. And there was times you're like, man, we gotta we gotta hit this guy hard to where he doesn't want to come back in the game. Or I mean, I think there's a shorter. Or like, there's even times you played against a good wide receiver. Like, man, when he comes across the middle, you let him know, you know, we're here, and he gets alligator arms. He doesn't want to make that catch. It's just it's kind of just setting the standard. Even in basketball, I mean, back I mean, not now because if you blink hard at LeBron, it's a technical. But I mean, back when I watched basketball with Jordan and Shaq, I mean, if you went into the paint, you earned that layup. So I think there's going to be certain things you guys need to do to, to really take that away. And you've mentally, I think you you've got to you got to shake Trevor. You've got to you got to hurt him a little bit. I mean, not not like a cheap shot type of hurt him. I think you need to get in his grill a lot. You know, pop him when you can. Um, take if you take away the run, that's really going to hurt us. Um, shut down. I mean, there's a lot of things you could do that would be almost a domino effect. Well, I, something that I want to clarify is that I don't think that you're saying that your South Carolina team is going to intentionally hurt, like no, try no, no, and intentionally yeah, injure not saying Trevor I'm Lawrence or like you know let them know you're there type of thing. I'm yeah, I mean just not like knocking him up, not roughing him up, but basically just you know when you get to the quarterback, make sure you know you hit him. He knows yeah, you hit him. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, definitely. You know, not saying they're going to take a cheap shot. Definitely not 100 saying that. But I'm just saying a guy gets through the thing. Let's you know don't ease up. It's it's football. You yeah, know? it is football. You, you not hurt them, hurt them. But if you get six shots during a game, they're going to take their toll. I'm just saying, let them know you're constantly there. Make them see ghosts. Exactly. You know, he can anticipate a rush. You know, maybe he releases it too quick. It's just certain things like that. I'm 100% not saying you guys are going to, you know, cheap shot or anything. I'm just saying, yeah. when, you, when you get to them, let them know you got some kind of thing. I was just trying to clarify that because I know we have crazy fans who are gonna who are gonna take that. Up. I'm definitely not saying you're gonna get bad coach or you guys got bad players, but yeah. I mean, playing um, a guy like that, you you want to let them know you're always there. Um, okay. You know what, 
Just I, de- I mean, I definitely agree. I think that's something that shutting down the run game specifically. You shut down Columbus' run game, or you shut down any team's run game, it's hard to just win a, a ball game unless you have Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers back there. Yeah, exactly. Nice they can just you know, pick you apart. And, you know, Trevor's young right now. He can pick you apart. But like I said, he's young right now. He's a little unproven, but he can pick you apart with, the, with those wide receivers. So, you know, back to hypotheticals. Let's say if Clemson somehow lost to South Carolina, or if South Carolina somehow won the game Saturday, beat Clemson, but they won the ACC championship. Is Clemson in the playoff, in your opinion? You know, they were talking about that on the radio today. Um, I don't know. I don't think so. But Michigan also has a loss. So you would, there's a lot that would have to happen. Well, I think that either – I think that – okay, so right now if Clemson – this is my – in my opinion, this is the four playoff if Clemson lost uh, – if Clemson lost South Carolina and won the ACC – I would say that you and, – and Bama and Michigan, Notre Dame and Oklahoma won out. I think those four probably have to go in first if they because they're all one losses and won their championship. They had their losses mm-hmm. earlier in the year, and they've, they've shown that they you know could play better than that, obviously, what they played before. But um, so let's switch it. Let's say you beat South Carolina, but you lose to the ACC – losing the ACC championship is Clemson to playoff. Uh, it's tough. I mean, if we're Alabama, yeah. Because it doesn't matter, they always put Alabama. I mean, Alabama lost to Auburn, didn't play in the SEC championship game, and then went to the playoff. Well, my thing with so the- it's man, I don't know that there would be so much that would have to happen because the committee loves Alabama. You, you also have to have to understand when they do the committee stuff, it, it all comes down to money. Um, yeah, that's why they put Alabama in there because they're going to sell tickets, going to sell merchandise. It's going, you know what I mean. I so definitely a lot, of it, a lot of it comes down to money. That's why I live in here in Orlando. I live three miles from UCF. You know, all the sports talk here is about UCF. Um, Half the reason they're not getting looked at is, you know, you can say their schedule, but at the same time, it's irrelevant. They schedule who they schedule. Um, It's not their fault that people don't want to play them. It's not their fault the schedule was placed eight years ago. But the thing is, is they, a lot of people don't feel like they can pack out a stadium. But even when they played Auburn in Atlanta, they packed that daggum thing out. But they're not going to get the recognition because people look at them like, ah, they're not going to bring money to this bowl game. Bowls. I mean, think about it. Would you rather have Alabama Clemson or would you rather have Michigan UCF, you know, in oh, what's it, the Orange Bowl? I, I mean, I think I'd rather have Alabama Clemson. And, and, you know, and a lot of it. You no. Know, yeah. You know, it's going to bring a lot of money. You know, the TV stuff. And a lot of it's name recognition, too. I think that's a big, big role that plays into it. Is a lot more people are going to want to go see or want to watch on TV. Alabama and Clemson rather than Alabama UCF or Clemson UCF. And that's just because of name recognition. Don't even use Alabama Clemson because it already has that, that demeanor about it. You can even say a Michigan Clemson. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, Michigan's a blue blood. They're kind of, you know, you got the Harbaugh versus Dabo, but if it was Michigan UCF and you even put them in the orange bowl, which is three to four hour drive, even then it doesn't even, the people in the bowl communities are like, I don't even think UCF is going to travel. Meanwhile, UCF would travel. They would go that game. Well, I, think that, I think that if UCF continues in the way they're on and somehow ends up scheduling maybe a top five or six team and beats them like last year when they beat Auburn, I think that they'll start to get a little more respect. And I don't know if I don't know the real answer to if you put UCF in the playoff. My answer is no, just because the, the AAC or whatever conference they're in, it just isn't to the point where it has the recognition to where it needs for UCF to be put in. But, um, have, yeah, they don't have good teams, and they've tried to join. I mean, there was two years ago, a year ago, they tried to join the Big Twelve. And the Big 12 was looking at Orlando saying, hey, we can get a Florida, you know, we finally get a Florida market. Sorry, my pit bull's going crazy. Here you go. We get a Florida market on everything. And 
but even the Big 12 didn't want them. So you're trying to tell me right now the Big 12's not looking back going, man, if we would have scheduled them, we might have gotten, you know, a national champion in there. I mean, it, there's a lot to look at, too. I mean, I think each game is is its own, and I think that, you know, last year with UCF and Auburn, I think UCF had a lot go their way. And back to – I want to get back to the point you made about Alabama losing the SEC championship and still going to the playoff. I think that, at least in my opinion, if – my the thing with Alabama making the playoff, and I kind of I kind of was on the side of Alabama should make it, was that you can't be the number one team all year, lose a game to a top five team, and then you're not top four anymore. I just don't – That's in my opinion, that's yeah, the way I look at it. I hear that, but at the same time, if you can't – okay, let's just break this down to like a, a war. If you can't win your neighborhood, if you can't be the king of your neighborhood, why should you be the king of the city? Or even like anything else, if you couldn't be the mayor of your city, why should you run for governor? You're probably not – you know, but at the same time when, you know, Politics is politics. You can probably do anything. But if you can't be the best guy in your division and you didn't even go play for it all and the guy that beat you didn't even win it all, why are you even in the playoff? How 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 did you even get there? But well, I think that Alabama. So they it's you know, it's whatever. I mean, Dabo called it the Gus bus or the Roy bus. It's Alabama and the rest of us. So no matter yeah. what Alabama does, they're always going to get in the playoff. That- I mean, one of my one of my favorite quotes is that from Shannon Sharp, and I he's just hilarious. I don't know if you ever watch uh first. I think it's not first take. Okay. Uh, uh, Shannon. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about though. Yeah, I don't but know. um, Shannon, I always Shannon Sharp is just hilarious to me. But he he had this thing where like they should rename the college football playoff into the Alabama Invitational because this is what it is at this point. If Alabama wins out or loses one game, they're so going good. to the playoff. Yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of that's everybody just knows how Alabama, how good Alabama is, and I don't think anyone can deny that at this point, unless you're Danny Cannell and don't know what you're talking he's about. Got, but he's got it. I mean, you got to understand, Danny has his own agenda. That's what he gets paid to tweet. That's what he gets paid to post. Oh yeah. I mean, at this point, social social media, you make money on social media based off posts, and yeah. I'll be the first person to tell you I get paid to make certain posts, <laughs> just like Danny, just like anything else. You want to go go through my tweets. If you can't find which post I was paid to tweet, then you're an idiot. Well, I think part of that is that you want to stir the pot and make people t- tweet and get interaction. And yeah, I think exactly. that, that. But um, anyway, we've gone off on a little bit of a tangent. We've been here and there in this interview. But Tom, what's your score prediction for Saturday? How, how did the Gamecocks keep it close? What do you think is going to happen? No, man. Um, after seeing the uh, the coaches talk to the media today and some things were said, um. This might be your worst loss ever. Um, yeah, I would not be surprised if we hang seventy on you. Uh, I'm gonna disagree. <laughs> I think that I just don't. I don't see that happening. I, hopefully, I pray to God it doesn't happen because I don't want to have to look at any of my friends that are close to fans for next year. It's just not gonna happen. But um, hopefully, hopefully it's they don't put seventy on us. I I guess I'd be okay with the low forties, high high forties, low fifties. I think that would be was okay. What do you think? What do I think? What's going to happen in the game? I mean, it all depends to me on how Bentley plays. If Bentley plays well, then I think we'll Come keep on, it. Man. It's a big game. I was at the Florida game, and I was surrounded by nothing but Gators, and I'm just sitting there, and they're upset. I'm like, guys, it's the fourth quarter. Big game Bentley's about to show up. And everyone looked at me. I'm like, it's big game Bentley. It's a big game. It's on him. He's got to close it. He's going to mess it up. And the rest was history. Okay, I understand everything with the fourth quarter, but to me, Bentley has had Bentley, and I mean statistically, Bentley has played his best, his best six games. I won't say six games, but his, he's played his best stretch of football since he got booed against A and I don't know if that pissed him off, or you know, having you know, Scarnecchia come in and 
play for you and somehow beating Missouri. I still don't understand that because oh, right, Missouri has been on. But um, <laughs> I think that he's played his best football since then. He, they've been hot in the first, first first quarter against teams like Florida who say what you want to beat LSU. And yep. this is obviously not anything on defense, but play well against them. And I think that – I think if he has confidence and goes into the game thinking, hey, we can actually put some points in these guys, maybe we'll score. I, I think, to me, a win would be losing by, like, two touchdowns. I think I think if we somehow if we play to the point where we only lose like 42 to 28, I think I'll take that as a victory in my opinion. Explain something to me about me or explain something to me about Millie. Why is it when he does something like he scores a touchdown, he runs around and does his little high steps and acts like he invented the cure for like the flu? I, I don't I mean it's like something stupid to be like seven nothing. I mean he like celebrates it like he just won the World Cup, the Super Bowl, and the World Series in that throw. I, 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 don't, I don't get that from him. Like, I, I, can't, don't... I can't tell you the answer because I, I just don't know it. I don't. <laughs> I, 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 agree. <laughs> I definitely agree with you in that I think this is kind of dumb and that if you're going up – if you are if you throw for a touchdown and you're still back, down by two scores, why are you celebrating or doing anything? Like, it has no real relevance on the game or what's going on. But um, I, I couldn't tell you why he does it. It doesn't make any sense to me. But when he leaves, are you guys going to finally fire his dad? Because, I mean – Well, there have been rumors going around, reason, and I don't dead. know if this is true or not, is that Bobby Bentley is being going to be interviewed for the head coach for the, the Charlotte 49ers, that, that, the UNC Charlotte 49ers. Yeah. I that, saw that today on Twitter. Let me be a bad hire for them. I mean, I obviously I think that South Carolina's running backs have been very subpar considering what they used to be with Mike Davis and Marcus Lattimore, and I yeah. think that – Bentley not really being a running backs coach has, has helped that. But, I mean, if you want my honest opinion, I think they hired Bobby Bentley to get Jake to come. And I you can say what you want to. Yeah, it's just, it's just how recruiting goes. It's the same way that Tua's family magically moved from Hawaii to, you know, Tuscaloosa, and his dad's business got bought out randomly. That was worth three times what they paid. Or I mean, look at what Xavier Thomas's dad's place got – his uh, Washington place got – <laughs> paid for like what four times it was worth or something like that. I don't know anything about that, but I do know <laughs> that Jadavian Clowney's dad got a got some random job. You know what I mean? It, and recruits get paid. It's no, it's nothing. To <laughs> no, no. I mean, I'll be the first guy to tell you. I mean, I w- I've been, you know, I've talked to to guys that have played, and they're like, yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, if you drive, I'm I'm great friends with with a guy that that's a big time at Alabama. And it's a Dodge dealership at their athletic facility, and it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I don't think – I think you'd have to be li- literally blind not to see <laughs> how much are getting paid. Yeah, that's why I laugh about it. And it's the same thing with uh, with Zion. Yeah, he oh, yeah. He was committed to Clemson. Like, we're all like, man, I cannot believe we're getting this. He's a game changer. He's like the Deshaun Watson of basketball. He's going to come in. He's going to change us. The night before, Duke magically shows up and – um he goes to Duke, and they're like, what the heck? Oh, of course, and he got paid. And then the story comes out where Kansas offered him everything on his son, his dad a job, but then he turns you know, millions, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars from Kansas to go play at Duke for free. But it's still okay, and no one ever wants to investigate Duke because they're a blue blood and Coach K walks on water. Well, the thing yeah, is, if they did investigate Duke or Duke got indicted for something, then the NCAA knows that they would not be able to make money off of that brand. Exactly. And it's why Alabama and Clemson and Michigan and all the blue blood programs in the NCAA football will never get investigated. It's There's because- a lot of stuff that's like, oh, yeah, we are going to look over here. You know, yeah. it's the same thing with UNC, fake yeah. classes. Are you kidding me? They got fake classes, but nothing ever happened. 
I mean, I mean, it's just because they don't want to lose the money that they're going to potentially make off of those brands of not having to go through uh, of not being able to make the playoff or anything like that. Like Alabama would never get right now, at least Alabama's never going to get a penalty for anything just because the NCAA knows they're going to lose so much money off of it. The refs are already in the bag. You saw the Mississippi State game. I mean, it's there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, you could play. You could say the same thing with Clemson. Whenever they play close opponents, close that the refs are going to be more for the side of Clemson because the ACC wants a playoff team. Yeah, I mean, there was a time when I don't remember the game, but I remember it was like one of those times. It's like we've made it, where a call came, and it was like, ah, this is going to suck because I know what the outcome should be, and then we got the call, and I was like, we've made it, y'all. Yeah, <laughs> We're getting those BS calls. So I'm like, we've officially made it to the mountaintop, guys. It's okay. But um. Anyway, I think that's uh that's gonna wrap it up for us. That that's it for the interview portion of the Spurs up. So Tom, thanks for coming on. We appreciate yeah, it. Thanks for having me, man. That was uh I had a blast, dude. I kinda miss talking sports. I yeah, miss, I mean it's I miss obviously a, it's a fun time getting to talk trash. Rivalry week, Cook Flemson, everybody knows the deal. Cox by ninety. We're not gonna win, <laughs> but we're gonna have a good time anyway. Out-tailgate us. That's I think that's what the I saw a, a sticker today on Twitter. Just out tailgate Clemson. Oh yeah, that's what that's what we're here for is to get drunk and not remember the game. But um anyway, appreciate you having on appreciate you coming on. You know, hopefully we'll get you on for next year, next year's game if we're not uh gonna if hopefully be a little more closer than whatever the score is gonna be for this yeah, year. Man. Anytime you want, dude, I had a blast. All right, appreciate it, man. <laughs>